Hello, it's 21st of May 2017 and this is episode 30 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. And this week we have some very special guests in the house and they happen to be CT and Solo from Knights of Rant. So would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Hi, well, I, I'm CT, but I'm Solo, and it has nothing to do with Han Solo. It doesn't. Just so we can make sure everybody knows on all platforms. <laughs> Just so everyone has, they're not like, oh, what a big Han Solo fan. And then I'm like, he's my least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Just been a nickname for as long as I can remember. Just... That's actually a revelation to me. I did not know that. I, I yep. assumed that that had to be to do with Han Solo. So, wow, yep. mind blown. It's, it's all about a different... It's a different fandom whatsoever. Yeah, it's from Gundam Wing. It's from an anime. Wow. <laughs> is that the name of a character? Uh, well, a character's name is Duo. Oh, okay. And then uh, in his in his backstory, there was a character named Solo. And I could never have Duo because it was too popular. It was taken on all the anime lab chat forums and stuff. So I, I was like, fine, I'll take Solo. Because nobody <laughs> has that one. <laughs> and now you host a Star Wars podcast and you're forever doomed <laughs> yep. to be the biggest Han Solo fan. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm doomed. I want to hear more like about why Han is your least favorite character. I think he's a douche. Well, yeah. A selfish douche. That is true. <laughs> but, you know, you can still be a great character even he's, if you're a horrible person. Oh, oh, I don't think he's an awful character. He's just my least favorite. Right. Well, not like, like Boba Fett doesn't even count. He's not even a character. So, like, <laughs> we're already, like, driving away all of these people. <laughs> Oh God! We're so I sorry. hate the Knights of Rant. <laughs> I disagree. I love Han Solo. You do. You do. He's like my third favorite character. He's a bad so. dad. I don't like him. <laughs> oh man! Now you're really causing controversy. <laughs> and in here with our American ways, <laughs> shutting down Han Solo. Yep. Uh, right, guys. So at this point, we normally ask how people's weeks and styles have been. Like, has anything particularly Star Warsy happened to us? Mm. I've been playing a lot of mobile apps. You have been playing a lot. I've been playing a lot of Mass Effect. It's kind of like Star. My character made a Star Wars reference in the game, so there you go. She was like, "Uh, nothing's wrong. Just a weapon mal- malfunction. How are you?" And I was like, "That's a Star Wars <laughs> reference." <laughs> that's that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> what film is that a reference to? I don't recognize that. That's from. It's it's Han's line uh, in A New Hope when he's they're rescuing Leia and he shoots the council and he's like, uh, "Situation normal. Uh, uh, how are you?" Yep. Oh, so... I remember that scene. I just didn't remember that line. Yeah, it was then... like delivered verbatim after. It's I my shot second a favorite line in all of Star Wars, which is probably <laughs> why you remember it because I quote it all the time. That's the only reason I remember it. Yeah, because you're like, I love that line. <laughs> it's so Han funny. so funny, and I'm like, that's probably what? why Han's. In my favorites, because I love that line so much. <laughs> that is gonna stick in your mind. Um, how about you, Christy? Yeah. How's your week in Star Wars been? Um, it's been pretty good because um, because of our conversation last week about the prequels with Skytalkers, mm-hmm. um, I started reading the Revenge of the Sith novelization. Woo! I hadn't read it before, and you were raving about it. I was like, nice. oh, I should probably get on that. And I'm really enjoying it, but it is. I'm not even that far into it, and it is making me so sad. Like, the descriptions of Obi-Wan and Anakin's friendship. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
breaking my heart. You just killed us over here. Our yeah. baby. It makes yeah. you feel everything so much more strongly. It's just seriously. Oh and just the way Anakin feels about everyone. Like he's he loves Palpatine so much and he loves Padme so much. You're like, you know all this from the film, but just, I don't know, seeing it in writing, it's really like, oh, right yeah. in the feels. Yep. Too many feels. <laughs> That's his problem. Yeah. My Star Wars thing is that I finally bought the box set of all six films, the older films, um, prequels and original trilogy on Blu-ray. Oh, so I'm now the owner of a physical format version that is not on DVD. <laughs> Because I've had you've had them all in DVD since forever because they're my dad's DVDs, but mm-hmm. it just feels so good to upgrade to that high definition because I can I'm a total sucker for high definition formats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I obviously I stream stuff because we live in the twenty first century, but right. I still like to own it on the physical format because I'm always that I'm the same way. where I'm like, But it's gonna go sometime and I don't like that. I don't like not having it forever. So you mm-hmm. also like what if the internet goes down and then you can't stream it? Now you have <laughs> That's true. Yep. It's very true. Have you, yep. have you had time to watch any of them yet? No, because I only literally just got it yesterday. And I've been oh. trying to prioritize um, finishing Twin Peaks because it right. comes back tonight. Yeah. So, yeah, it's exciting times. Um, but, yeah, don't worry, guys. We won't bore you about Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Like, you've made time. me interested in the show. I've, I've not Ooh. watched it. So. Oh. But you've, you've intrigued me. Yeah. I, some people really don't like it. So I recommend it to them. They're like, what is this? <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. It's a grower, I think. Like, it's a grower. <laughs> you have to watch it for a few episodes to decide if it's right for you. Because it's, like, mm. so distinct. It's like. It's unique. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, very... it's yeah. nothing like Star Wars. <laughs> Got it. Um, no yep. spaceships, alas. Although there oh, are plenty of the other kind of ships, because it's all Ooh. about romances and intrigues and. I'm game. I'm in. So yeah. It's basically a, it's basically a surreal soap opera. That's like Got the best way of expressing it. So yeah, my chicken. Sounds in. interesting. Yeah. You, you love drama. I do. Yes. You do. <laughs> I think all of us love drama. Yeah, <laughs> the more dramatic a show, though, the yeah. more yeah. CTs into it. Yeah. Um. Right. Then I think it's probably time for us to move on from random TV shows. And, <laughs> yes. Which I aided and abetted that conversation, so I take responsibility. <laughs> um. Yeah. And talk about the novelization of Star Wars: The Force Awakens, um, which is written by one of my personal favorite authors, Alan Dean Foster, uh, <laughs> and. I- <laughs> I'm glad that that was met with like laughter. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude. It, 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 it was a joke. It's, an, it's not a sincere statement. Like I'm, I'm sorry. Like Alan, bless him. Like I, I do think there's traces of amusement to be found in the novelization to The Force Awakens, but it's not exactly what I'd call great prose. Like oh, there no. are parts that I was just tempted to include in this conversation purely because I find them so funny. Like that scene where Kylo is monologuing. About, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my god. He does it to um, Mitika and it's just so embarrassing because you can just tell that that character's like stood there going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and it and it doesn't seem right for Kylo either. <laughs> no. I just want to know if this was ever in the movie. I want to know if that was ever filmed. You want that so bad. You want Adam Driver reading space poetry so bad. <laughs> just like have you come here to marvel at the stars? I I would bet you a chocolate bunny that that was not in the script. That that is a pure Alan Dean Foster invention. 
just because I want to take that bet, I will. And and I am I have high hopes that somewhere there's footage of that. So Adam was like, "All right, I've played weirder characters. It's fine." Um. See, so yeah, have we all read the novelization? I have. You've read I most snippets yeah. from it. That yeah, I've... I've read a bunch of snippets and then listened to CT talk about it. That's how we do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. How, how about you, Kirsty? Yeah, I read it. Um, right after The Force Awakens came out. I was like, oh, I need to know more about these characters. And um, more recently, I read the Junior novelization, which I think is a lot better. Yeah. The Junior novelization is a lot better. Yeah. But um, I think this one's probably closer to what the the script drafts look like. Um, I don't know how it works with the Junior novelizations. Like, I know they're technically canon, Mm. but... Yeah, it's kind of confusing to look at where things contradict each other and where they're slightly different and decide what's what. But um, mm-hmm. just the writing, I think, is much clearer in that one. I think the junior novelization is much better at like conveying the characters' emotions I agree. and getting that side of things across because the adult novelization is just very stiff and a bit like dull and dry. Um, although, having said it, I actually found Kylo Ren's monologue. Would we like to hear Kylo Ren's monologue? Please say yes. <laughs> Please. Yes, yes, I. Okay, good. Right, okay. A gloved hand rose to take in the sweep of light and energy arrayed before them. Look at it, Lieutenant. So much beauty among so much turmoil. In a way, we are but an infinitely smaller reflection of the same conflict. It is the task of the First Order to remove the disorder from our own existence, so that civilization may be returned to the stability that promotes progress, a stability that existed under the Empire, was reduced to anarchy by the rebellion, was inherited in turn by the so-called Republic, and will be restored by us. Future historians will look upon this as the time when a strong hand brought the rule of law back to civilization. Oh my god. Bravo. It sounds more Bravo. like Hux. It, it does, does. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I could like easily see Hux saying that and that actually being a part of the movie. Him just staring in the mirror, like saying it, talking to <laughs> himself. Like, up talk. yeah. This hand, this strong hand, my hand, General Hux's hand. I did this. Hux would probably find that kind of thing deeply arousing. Oh my oh, god. Yeah, he would. That's why he's staring in the mirror looking directly at himself. He's like, yeah, I'm into you. <laughs> I love yeah. that monologue so it, much. It's so interesting because he's talking about like the aims of the First Order and everything, but I understood from the movie that Kylo's goals aren't really in line with the First Order's. Right. Yeah. That's why I will agree with you that I think this is a more of an Alan Dean Foster invention, yeah, even absolutely. though I secretly really want this, but... Everything else really contradicts that Kylo really cares about the First Order's mission that much. If his poetry had been more about, like, finding the balance or, like, turmoil and stuff like that, I would completely agree that this should be, like, included. But, again, because it was, like, here's the First Order and we're awesome and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't seem very Kylo. Yeah. He just seems like he's going along with the ride. Yeah. It's the kind of thing he'd say if he were being some like loyal minion to the First Order, and that is not what he is in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Like, he constantly seems to be straining against the leash, basically, to get away from the mm-hmm. First Order. It's that is a great visual. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have that trekker in his belt. <laughs> he does! So it's basically, it's like the electric fence. He's got it built into him. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty sad, really. <laughs> the whole sad puppy. <laughs> he does do that sad puppy face. <laughs> yeah. Aces. 
Um, right, but yeah, the first thing we actually have in the notes to discuss is about the wills. So we have a little poem here, and it goes, First comes the day, then comes the night. After the darkness shines through the light, the difference, they say, is only made right by the resolving of grey through refined Jedi side. Journal <laughs> wills. Seven. Beautiful. Oh, long. Four, seven, seven. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, again, things that are purely existent in the novelization, my immediate inclination is to take it as a pinch of salt as something that Alan Dean Foster just came up with to pad out the page numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is certainly an interesting choice. I really doubt it's just an arbitrary thing that Alan decided upon completely by himself. Because I, don't I don't think Story Group would let him make up like <laughs> religious Something pass- from the passage. Journal of the Wills. Yeah. yeah, they'd yeah. be like, "No, is this also on like the first page of the book?" Basically, yeah, yeah, that's why we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it. I mean, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah, it's oh. on the first. It's the first thing people see. Yeah, they're not gonna let him make up mumbo jumbo and be like, "Yeah, no, it's totally fine." Yeah, yeah, I think someone asked Pablo Hidalgo where this came from at some point, and he said Alan Dean Foster wrote it, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't okayed by other people. Yeah. Exactly. And I and I know a lot of people, um, like especially in that corner of the fandom, were kind of using this early on as like a clue to where the trilogy might be going in terms of overall mm-hmm. themes. Mm-hmm. And I think the Last Jedi teaser has kind of cemented that, right? That there, there has yeah. to be something to this. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because there's been so much um, like pushback against that whole grey Jedi term when it's really <laughs> unreasonable because here you literally have resolving of grey. And it's like, well, Pablo, there is actually this instance of the colour grey mentioned in relation to the Jedi. So what do you make of that? Huh? 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 I really right. yeah. think us exactly. Pablo, it is a question of semantics. It is, yeah. Because I, I think he's not saying that there's no middle ground, because obviously there's a middle ground. It's not that you have to be a Jedi or a Sith. You have to be one extreme or the other. Because Ahsoka <laughs> is a great example of why that is not the case and why you don't necessarily have to be Jedi or Sith. Yeah, but I think Pablo is firmly of the opinion that you can't be a grey Jedi in the same way that you can't be like a half Catholic <laughs> or yes. something. You either are Catholic or you're not Catholic. But it's just like, but there's even I feel like even different... in that there are differences, and there's people that are more dedicated to the religion, but they're still Catholic, and people and there's different like versions of Catholicism. So even that I slightly disagree with. Yeah, um, at least over here, that's definitely. Like, you don't have to be all Catholic or no Catholic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, there's uh, just some, like, teachings that people still very religiously, uh, like, right. <laughs> actually, literally religiously follow. And there's some that, obviously, we've done away with the with over the years. Like, yes. uh, things like not getting your hair cut and not wearing blended fabrics and not, like, we've adjusted yeah. the, the teachings over years. And I think that's what the, the gray Jedi concept is. It's not a literal term. It's more like, oh, they'll adjust the teachings. They're not going to run around calling themselves gray Jedi. Yeah. yeah I'm seen, a gray Jedi. I've seen a lot of think pieces like rumbling about the term gray Jedi and how all these fans who use it are wrong. Mm. But it's like, that's kind of beside the point because people are just kind of using it as placeholder right now. Right. Exactly. We don't have another name for it yet. Yeah, and okay. I think this is something I actually just learned like a few days ago that the in the original script for A New Hope, or rather just Star Wars at the time, the Jedi were called the Jedi Bendu. And if you are familiar with uh, Rebels, Bendu is like the character who represents the middle ground. Mm-hmm. And so when the characters were originally called the Jedi Bendu, that's in 
a, just a different way to say basically gray, gray Jedi. Jedi cuz gray mm. we use it as the term as a middle ground. So it, there you go. So Pablo <laughs> you named a character Bendu. Just to be clear, I don't really agree with Pablo to be honest. I was trying to mm. like get what I think is his point across. There are shades, it's not that these things are absolute because like you say there's many different like levels of being Christian and stuff mm-hmm. from like going to church every day and making sure you pray like four times a day to like saying yeah i believe in god um exactly like, yeah. that's a very wide spectrum and since the jedi and sith they're basically the star's equivalent of religions i mm-hmm. think it's absolutely reasonable to assume that there's going to be different like tiers to that and different levels of belief and, like this is on a gradient it's not like it's clear black and white yeah mm-hmm. it has to be yeah What's that famous line about only Siths dealing in absolutes? <laughs> I always find that line incredibly ironic because surely that statement is in itself an absolute statement. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan, you're dealing in absolutes. <laughs> do we think that the poem, do we think it has like any potential like ramifications? I guess like we were saying, it obviously comes up again in the trailer where it's like, um, see, light, darkness, a balance and mm-hmm. stuff. So this is clearly going to be an integral theme to The Last Jedi and presumably mm-hmm. the whole trilogy. Um, and as far as we can tell right now, we have like Rey, who's the predominantly light character, and then Kylo, who's the predominantly dark character. Do you think that if it's alluding to anything, it's alluding to those characters or is it more general or... Yeah, what people's thoughts? Well, uh, I mean, I think it's alluding to them in particular. Right now, they're really all we have besides Snoke and Luke. And mm-hmm. what a twist. The real like <laughs> story is like the harmony between Snoke and Luke. No. <laughs> but Get out of here. We were all wrong, guys. What would uh, that be called? Um, Snook, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, That's oh. the best ship name. No, I love it. Oh, I mean, my God. <laughs> It sounds like what you blow into a tissue. It does. It does. It sounds like when you're really sick and you're like, man, I was I just, just snooping all night. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Very. But this is a next generation story. So I, and I, they keep pushing that and reminding us that at, in the end, the story is going to be about the new generation. Right. So I think, and it's going to be this balance that Ray and Kylo need to discover that for themselves, really. Because I think Luke's, I mean, Luke's obviously going to have a, a big role in this, but I think he's pretty pretty not wanting to play this game right now. Yeah. He's pretty messed up. Like, it might just be because this is what I prefer, but I think that that little poem is exactly what we will see coming from the new trilogy. First there's day, then there's night. First you have some hope, and then the re- like the First Order crushes them in the next movie. I think in The Last Jedi, the First Order will be the people who like, come, like, you know, they come crashing down. Yeah. Well, because I actually thought originally it was different. Like, the first two lines, the first comes the day, then comes the night, is about the prequels. Mm. And then after the darkness shines through the light is um, uh. is the original trilogy, and then the last four lines It's is made only right trilogy, by The resolving of Grey. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. I love it. That's an interesting <laughs> reading. That's how I, I read into it. But, of course, I'm, like, the queen of tinfoil hat things, so... <laughs> That's why we have three of them. We have th- three, three tinfoil tin hats <laughs> around our apartment. Nice. <laughs> Literal one. Yes. Oh, actually, yeah. yeah we have like Kylo's sta- like, cardboard cutout and he's wearing one. Yep. Wow. I made an origami. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a good point because um, 
I do think that the most interesting like feature of the sequel trilogy arguably is I do think it's going into grey areas in a way that I don't think the prequels or the original trilogy did because yeah. obviously you see Anakin go from innocent young boy to Dark Lord of the Sith but at the same time I feel like that's an incredibly sudden transition when it happens like mm-hmm. you literally have him one moment like no I shouldn't and then the next right slaughter in the light younglings Slaughter's. yeah especially <laughs> um, if you go movie canon only yeah it's completely drastic and you're like why did this happen I don't understand all it takes is Palpatine saying do it and he's like okay I guess <laughs> oh I got it I, yeah. I have to do it he said Mace you heard it yeah. he said gotta go Mace you heard what he said uh, gotta do it <laughs> yeah there's like basically there's just not much shade essentially yeah. and I do think mm-hmm. that's what we're getting a lot of in the sequel trilogy now especially mm-hmm. with um, Kylo at the moment and I think we're really going to see a lot more shade from Rey in The Last Jedi as well same because... I can't wait for that yeah. me too I'm so excited it's all I want <laughs> because I do think there's already more layers to that character than like they might first appear because people generally characterise as being very innocent and entirely pure mm-hmm. and good and everything what movie were they watching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's the name. People call her Ray of Sunshine, which I don't yeah. think is really that apt. I think they're confusing Daisy and Ray. She does have like a smile that melts your heart and well, you're like, true. nothing is wrong with you ever. But it's like people who are like, Leia is pure good. And I'm like, I, I, what character are you looking at? <laughs> She's wearing a white dress, but that woman is sassy and will like get down and dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a lot about expectations and mm-hmm. like you say, Daisy's public image and stuff. And also mm-hmm. the fact that I do think those like darker flashes of a character and the melancholy and the anger and the frustration, like, I do think they're all there, but I think they're quite downplayed in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the absolutely. main character traits you get are like plucky optimism, like which mm-hmm. is great, and that's exactly what that movie needed to keep her going and to like have her be the heroine. But I absolutely just think we're going to see like more character exploration. And that's certainly what we've been promised by Ryan Johnson and others. And I think we're just going to see all of the characters. And in relation to this in particular, Ray and Kylo, we're going to see lots more depth to them. And we're going to understand how they're similar as well as how they're different. Because, yeah, I think that's going to be the most interesting part of the next movie, the characters and learning more about them and seeing how they interact. Part of that dichotomy of light and dark that was set up in The Force Awakens is designed so that the audience is surprised by the next movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just enough, like, subtlety in TFA that, I mean, obviously a lot of the subtlety, I feel like, was in JJ's mystery box that Mm -hmm. unfortunately just goes over a lot of people's heads and causes a lot of uh, arguments online, Mm -hmm. but... When you read things like the novelization and the script, you really see that these things are there. And right at the end of the film really has this draw to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And she has to consciously step away from it. I think the line is something like, oh, she had to step back from the dark side. Literally, that's what she... So we know that's going to be something they bring up again in the future. Or at least I assume so with the way that Daisy, especially is talking about Ray's journey in The Last Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The next thing we're going to discuss is um, a little excerpt where we have a conversation between Corsella and Leia. In another room, Corsella, Leia's personal envoy, awaited the general's arrival. The young woman wore her hair back in a severe bun and her dark green uniform contrasted notably with the general's more subdued attire, as did the badge that identified her as a commander. As usual, Leia did not waste time on small talk. You need to go to the Senate right away. 
Tell them I insist that they take action against the First Order. The longer they bicker and delay, the stronger the Order becomes. She leaned towards the other woman. If they fail to take action soon, the Order will have grown so strong the Senate will be unable to do anything. It won't matter what they think. Sella indicated her understanding. With all respect, do you think the Senators will listen? I don't know. Lay a bit down on her low lip. So much time has passed. There was a time when they were at least winning, willing to listen. And of course, the Senate's makeup has changed. Some of those who were always willing to pay attention to me have retired. Some of those who have replaced them have their own agendas. She smiled ruefully. Not all senators think I'm crazy. Or maybe they do. I don't care what they think about me as long as they take action. The emissary nodded. I'll do all I can to ensure the resistance gets the hearing we deserve. But why don't you go yourself, General? An appeal of this nature is always more effective when delivered firsthand. Leia's smile thinned. I might make it to the Senate, yes. I might even be able to deliver my speech. But I would never, never get out of the Holsonian system alive. I would have a terrible accident or become the victim of some deranged radical. Or I would eat something that didn't agree with me or, encou- or encounter someone who didn't agree with me. She composed herself. I have total confidence in you, Sella. I know you'll deliver our message to the full extent of your considerable abilities. The emissary smiled back, grateful for the confidence the general was expressing. That sentence! Oh, oh the, no! Oh, that's oh. so sad! Yeah. Oh, and it's so badly written. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, it's, it's all... just such a dull way to express that. Yeah, it's all written very passively. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just such a passive voice that, I don't know, it, you can't really get that engaged. Even though I'm very interested in what's happening here, because obviously it was something that we, we missed from the films. I know we had the deleted scenes and that with Corsella, but uh, I don't know, it's just not written in the most exciting way. No, no especially because it's, it's a really strong statement they're making right there. And like, so much comes out of that. Uh, the, like the whole bloodline novelization like when she's talking about how the senate doesn't trust her anymore and how people will probably try to kill her if she tries to leave is in there yeah but yeah. they're like let's deliver it in the most boring and dry way possible yeah yeah it's really interesting because she's like oh they think i'm crazy and at this point we didn't have bloodline yet so we we're like wait mm-hmm. what this is leia organa she's like a legend right. you know she should be respected mm-hmm. yeah. so it does make you wonder what what's happened in the meantime I really do like the coordination like that's going on because it shows that the backstory idea they had with like Leia's position in relation to the New Republic, that was clearly planned. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it was something that Claudia Gray just came up with by herself a bloodline, although I'm sure she had substantial creative input. It was clearly part of the story they were thinking of, like for the background to TFA. And yeah, yeah I really like just seeing all those different puzzle pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Like I, I do love Leia's reveal in the force awakens like i do think that was like such a good time for her to come in but at the same time i feel like the scene sets up so much of what's happening and also kind of maybe drops the seeds that maybe the republic is a little uh not the greatest Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. maybe they don't want you to know that yet um because i feel like the last jedi you're really going to go into like hey the first order is scary but the republic the first or the new republic uh, is also is not scary. is not the greatest either. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, because we know that Ryan Johnson had input on Bloodline as well, so mm-hmm. fully expecting him to explore more of the politics. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that's one of the main criticisms I saw of The Force Awakens, that there weren't enough politics. And I think if they'd just kept these scenes in, I do think a lot of that criticism would have gone away. Because when you have this kind of thing, then you actually have context. You know, like, oh, okay, I understand what the resistance is in relation to the New mm-hmm. Republic. I understand what's actually going on. Because it does just seem a bit like an identikit version of the political situation in the original trilogy. Like, just when you watch The Force Awakens, even though it's not yeah. that at all. Um, so yeah, like, I think it was a, sh- a bad decision, really, to remove it. Although at the same time, I can understand why, because I do think Leia's actual reveal is good. And like I I think this kind of thing would have felt very, like, detached from the other parts of the story. Yes. Because besides this, we're only really seeing, like, Finn and Rey and like Kylo and Hux, like those kinds of strands. It's not like we see like Han wrangling Raftars before Finn and Ray meet him. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, I, f- I, I can understand the reasons why I was cut, but I still feel a bit melancholy I just, about like, it. I feel like it's such an important... There's just so much, especially when Leia's like, if I go there, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, so you, that, I feel like that's something really important for the audience It really to know. sets a stage that you don't get otherwise at all. Yeah. But... Uh, I mean, hopefully they, I think they will touch on that in The Last Jedi. I think they were too afraid to include too much politics in the first movie because that's what prequel trilogy was very politics heavy and it was what people criticized for so long. So then in like, by the time you get to Attack of the Clones, they just cut out everything political and then Revenge of the Sith, they kind of also cut out all of Padme's lines and like Mon Mothma doesn't have any lines because all of her lines were political. And I, I just think that they were afraid and, like, the first two movies are very political, but then, yeah, they, they, They're I think like, they were, I think JJ in particular even kind of mentioned how afraid he was, because he mm-hmm. kept on, he, I don't think he said much negative things mm-hmm. outwardly about the prequels, but everything he said that he was doing with TFA was, like, we're making sure we're doing practical effects, mm-hmm. and, which was kind of a direct Yeah, I think they were just taking, taking down criticisms of the prequels right they were just taking the loudest complaints about the prequels and they were like okay we'll pay attention to what you guys complained about all of you people out there who were just shouting about how bad the prequels are which y'all need to calm down but (laughs) we're taking notes and we're gonna we're not gonna just just go into this next movie come on go ahead go and i I think hopefully if they've learned anything from this is that people are going to complain no matter what yeah I really uh, hope that they understand. And that. I, f- I feel so bad for like the Lucasfilm team because I feel like they're so afraid and they want to make everybody happy. But as it is, you have a very split audience of people who want Ray to be a Skywalker and people who hate the idea. Mm-hmm. So you o- you're going to have a war no matter what. I don't want to say a war. It's Star <laughs> War. Fandom, <laughs> 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 but the fandom's too big. The yeah. fandom's way too big to make everyone. And happy. I I think they have come to realize this that you can't make everyone happy just with what Ryan Johnson has been saying recently about, he's like, I have a vision and I'm going to follow through with it. Good. Yeah, I think the controversy is good for them really anyway, isn't it? Because it means that people are talking and they care. I guess that's true. Like, people just love to complain. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Welcome to Tumblr. (laughs) Everyone's favorite website. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know why I'm still there. (laughs) Um, right, who's ready to talk about Snoke talking to Kylo Ren? Um, I was born ready. This <laughs> <laughs> is what you were made for. Yep. Right, Kirsty, would you prefer to be Snoke or Kylo? I don't mind. You choose. Okay, then I will make you Kylo. Okay. 
So I know you definitely prefer Kylo to Snoke. So I do, yes. <laughs> Hopefully you do too. <laughs> and a surprise twist. <laughs> surprise twist. Snoke's your favorite, favorite character. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually have a Snoke fan blog. I like it. Especially kept secret. Just the same, like, two pictures of your, your Snoke fan blog. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. Um, right. When next Snoke spoke, there was an intimacy in his voice, a familiarity that stood in sharp contrast to the commanding tone he had used of Hux. I have never had a student. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't do it. You have to, you have to do like a, like a kind of silly a low voice. Hello, okay, voice. Low voice. Voice acting. This can be my future career. All right. I have never had a student. <laughs> Okay, no, sorry, I'm just going to play it straight because I'm just not going to be able to cope otherwise. No, it was beautiful. Nope, read the whole thing like that. Aw, <laughs> oh, thank you guys. <laughs> I have never had a student with such promise before you. Ren straightened. It is your teachings that make me strong, Supreme Leader. Snoke demurred. It is far more than that. It is where you are from. What you are made of. The dark side and the light. The finest sculptor cannot fashion a masterpiece from poor materials. He must have something pure, something strong, something unbreakable with which to work. I have you. He paused, reminiscing. Kylo Ren, I watched the Galactic Empire rise and then fall. The gullible prattle on about the triumph of truth and justice, of individualism and free will as if such things were solid and real, instead of simply subjective judgments. The historians have it all wrong. It was neither poor strategy nor arrogance that brought down the Empire. You know too well what did. Wren nodded once. Sentiment. Yes, such a simple thing, such a foolish error of judgment, a momentary lapse in an otherwise exemplary life. Had Lord Vader not succumbed to emotion at the crucial moment, had the father killed the son, the Empire would have prevailed, and there would be no threat of Skywalker's return today. I am immune to the light, Wren assured him confidently. By the grace of your training, I will not be seduced. Your self-belief is commendable, Kylo Wren, but do not let it blind you. No one knows the limits of his own power until it has been tested to the utmost, as yours has not been. That day may yet come. There has been an awakening in the Force. Have you felt it? Wren nodded. Yes. The, ele- the elements align, Kylo Wren. You alone are caught in the winds of the storm. Your bond is not just to Vader, but to Skywalker himself. Leia. There is no need for concern. Despite the Supreme Leader's cautioning, Wren's assurance remained unabounded. Together we will destroy the Resistance and the Last Jedi. No, there is such a creepy undercurrent to all of this. Basically, there's obviously already the like grooming undercurrent from like other tie-in stuff, like the aftermath books and the no- like other parts in the novelization, and even to some extent in the film. But I think here it's very like in your face, like yeah. the fact that he uses this intimate tone. Like you can tell that he's like 
trying to get Kylo on side as much as possible, and he's oh, essentially absolutely. and he's shamelessly praising him. Like the furnace sculptor cannot fashion a masterpiece. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's just trying to seduce Kylo. Yeah, not not in like a not in a fanficy way, well, but he's like, I need you on my side. I need you to stay here. Let me praise you and seduce you and keep you here in the dark. Because yeah. it it very much seems that like Snoke thinks of Kylo as more of a like artifact. Mm-hmm. Like he has Darth Vader's like grandson. Yep. Yeah. Like this is this prize collectible mm-hmm. rather than an actual human being. Yep. Yes. And. It's oh, it's so creepy, but it, it's so interesting. I think that the reason that it would get cut from a script is because it would be a little too bad touch, a little bit, little too bad touch on goal, and people would be really uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, they obviously kept some of it in, like mm-hmm. by the grace of your training. Um, yeah, the things like I'm immune to the light, and um, together we will destroy the resistance in the Last Jedi. I've heard of those in Kylo merch pieces, yeah, like, oh, yeah. when he has his voice. So. I wonder, like, if a lot of this actually was filmed and then they just ended up cutting it. Mm-hmm. I assume it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, because it is in the toys. And it's a really, it is a really good scene. I can just see it getting cut because of Disney, like, Disney's IP being like, ugh, it made, like, children uncomfortable or something like that, or it made mm-hmm. mothers uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Even like- though we know what it actually is because we have context from the other books and because we, we, watch Star Wars all the time and we live Star Wars. Yeah. But for people like coming from the outside, they'd be like, uh, uh, what's happening here? What is this guy doing to this child? Yeah. yeah I mean, the subtext obviously already is that this guy seduced away Han and Leia's mm-hmm. son. Yeah. But if people don't think about it too much, they probably don't quite get those creepy elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should I um, cycle through these sounds of my Kylo Ren keyring until I get to I am immune for the light? Then we I can think hear how it's delivered. Okay. Right. Come on, Kylo. First one! First one! That's perfect! Thanks, Kylo! He's like, I was bored, ready for this. It's just so funny, because it's like, you so obviously are not. (laughs) (laughs) He even says this really, like, doleful way. (laughs) I'm immune. And honestly, I feel like the I'm immune to the light line was cut, because either, like, five minutes before or after, he's like, grandfather, the light's uh, calling me. I feel this light. (laughs) Yeah, he's a liar. He's just a liar. I think, yeah. well, because I feel like he's trying to live up to this expectation that Snoke has for him. And he's like, no, I'm totally immune to light. It's fine. Don't oh, yeah, he's look clearly into it. lying. Yeah. But if you have the lines like right next to each other, you're like, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe it would drive home more that he's not confident in himself. It would have been great to have this conversation in the film, though, because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, well, does he know that Vader was redeemed? And does he know that Luke redeemed him and all of this? It's like, he obviously does, and it kind yeah. of sets up that, okay, well, I want to be like my grandfather, but not in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, not, not in the Anakin way, but he's actually more like Anakin than he realizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he is. And yeah. it's also really interesting to me, because it sets up, like, what Kylo must perceive as, like, the main threat to his being strong on the dark side, his compassion. Because Snoke is basically saying, Vader's compassion for his son is what destroyed everything. So whatever you do, don't go showing compassion for anyone. It's very, very bad, and don't do it. And that literally killed him. Yeah, and that becomes extremely relevant at a point later on in the novelization. And I think Mm -hmm. we'll we'll talk about that when we talk about it, but I can't help but wonder if both these lines of dialogue were cut for broadly similar reasons, Mm -hmm. um, because they both follow the same through line that isn't present so much in the film itself. 
which makes me wonder if perhaps we're going to see that theme of resisting compassion and resisting like love is going to become like more prominent in The Last Jedi. And so that it was cut out in The Force Awakens to avoid making it blindingly obvious or like not leaving enough for The Last Jedi to do in terms of that theme. Yeah, yeah. Like I I will agree with you when we get to that point. <laughs> 100%. So much to say. Yes. Um, yeah, it's also interesting here that Snoke mentions Leia by her first name. Mm-hmm. Um, there was lots of talk about that like early on because people were like, well, did Snoke and Leia know each other? It was like Snoke a family friend or something? Like that <laughs> creepy it's... uncle person? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really interesting because the, the way that, especially, especially in the novelization mm. and the way that they talk about each other, it seems like Leia and Snoke had interactions. Mm. Um, there's that one deleted scene with with Han. It was like, and in Maz's castle, where they say something about Snoke, and Han's like, "Who? Who's Snoke? Yeah. I don't, I don't, who's that?" And so I'm not sure Han really knew who he was, but oh, I just assumed it was because of Snoke's weird Force touch with Leia, where he was like constantly like looming around her with the Force in the novelization. That's why he knows her name because yeah. he's been seeking her out since she was pregnant with Ben. Oh, you yeah, mean but... in, in aftermath? Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I could see that happening uh, too. There also just seems to be maybe a more personal connection. I don't yeah, really maybe. I, like again. I don't think we know enough to really define that. But I think it's more interesting that like Kylo cuts him off when he starts like oh, mentioning. Oh, I love that. Where Kylo's like, uh, we don't talk about. And he's like, you have connections to them through Leia. He's like, no, I'm fine. I ha- I'm immune to the light. Yeah. Don't talk about my mom. Like, yeah, yeah we can don't about... mention that I might have to do something to my mom because I'm immune. It's fine. I never have to do that. Yeah, I, because I mean, obviously, I will just super have this uh, head cannon that he's he he's okay with his mom more than anyone else in his family. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we'll obviously have to see that. Yeah, but, we'll or, see. I should say more defensive of his mm-hmm. mother and more wanting to protect her in certain ways, and which is why he is maybe steps out of his way more to stop star killer mm-hmm. he's like yeah luke luke can go but once you once you go after my mom we need to talk yeah yeah and for luke he always names him the last jedi you yeah know? like it's it's linked to his what he considers his goal mm-hmm. rather than oh i just hate my uncle you know? <laughs> yeah there, there's yeah. such a like uh, a separation where he refers to, yeah again like you said as the last jedi rather than calling him something more familiar mm-hmm. uh like what he actually is to kylo but then when he brings up leia he mentions a very like you would think he wouldn't say leia he would say the princess or General or Ghana, something mm-hmm. more formal but the fact that he uses something so personal i feel like is trying to jab something mm-hmm. to spark kylo and that's when he's like all right we done i'm immune we don't need mm-hmm. to talk about this anymore yeah there's also some interesting dialogue from one of the behind-the-scenes documentaries on the Blu-ray for The Force Awakens, um, because they show you the filming of that scene between Han and Leia when they're on a resistance base talking about Ben. And they say, um, well, Leia says, you could always see him clearer than I could. And Han says, I don't know what I saw. And there's absolutely no context for this at all, because they're literally just showing you like a quick clip of this scene being yeah. filmed. But it's so intriguing to me. So it's like, who that is, is really him? Interesting. Is that Snoke? Yeah. I'm guessing it has to be Snoke because, like, it seems a very odd thing to say about your child. 
<laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, in which case it would make it seem like the idea was that Leia was perhaps deceived about Snoke or like taken in by him somehow. One last thing I'd like to mention is that Snoke, he obviously alludes to um, like having had previous students. Um, mm-hmm. Like he says, I've never had a student with such promise yeah. before you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I, I just find that quite interesting. It makes me wonder where are these former students? What did he teach? <laughs> they them? did. Yeah. Like, have you guys seen Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It kind of reminds me of like alluding to. Yeah. 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 Uh, I won't say it, but it probably yeah. that. He, he, Kylo opens up a closet one day and don't spoil of- it. <laughs> Oh, no. Skeletons in the closet. I can't make a that <laughs> reference. I guess you can, but yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I feel like that's spoiler like, territory. It wouldn't surprise me if Snoke's revealed to be like an intergalactic bluebeard type, but instead of wives, <laughs> all former students. Yeah. And one day Kylo discovers something really horrible about what happens to Snoke's students. That is like, yeah. ah. yep. once they fail him, which I have a feeling that will probably. That storyline will come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think on some level that Kylo already knows, right? Because when he's talking to Han, and Han says, "You know, it's true." It's not like Kylo denies it or anything. Like he Very knows, right. Very he knows true. on one level he's being used, and he just doesn't care for some reason. Yeah, I think this poor boy just really has lost a lot of will to live. Well, yeah, I think he's just so confused, and he doesn't. He's like, "Well, I can't go back." Who's gonna Who's gonna like, forgive I guess me after if, what I did? If Snoke's gonna throw me away, that's fine. I, what else do I got? At, at least he's probably like at least at that point, I know, like I'll know where I belong. He threw me away. I don't belong there. Like, I'm resigned. the The world will do with I me. Belong I belong nowhere. Yep. Poor sad Way. boy. <laughs> I'm gonna go recite space poetry by myself. <laughs> <laughs> My beautiful tortured boy. <laughs> he is. <laughs> That guy has such a crush. I love it. We're talking about the male host of the Star Wars show. I love him so much. Yeah. (laughs) He's great. (laughs) Yeah, he's all of us. Yeah. Yeah. He speaks for everyone. Thank you, Anthony Carboni. I think that's what his name is. Yeah. You definitely made a better stab at it than I would have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. Then the next thing to talk about is that there's a different iteration of Ray's vision in the novel. Mm. Very different iteration, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it throws one off quite easily. Um, and what we have is this. Peering harder, further, she saw in the distance a section of the famed Cloud City. Two figures were locked in combat. Distant. Distant. Someone. <laughs> somewhere. Someone. Spoke her name. Hello? Reefed in the irrationality of the moment, she called hopefully, but received no answer. A boy appeared at the end of the hallway. She started towards him and the world turned inside out, causing her to trip and fall. Then there's a bit where she sees Kylo stabbing the man from behind, and the lights of Ren and Luke, but it's basically the same. And then this is different. Around her now, barren, snowy woods, the sounds of unknown forest creatures, and a conviction that she must be losing her mind. Once more she climbed to her feet, her chilled breath preceding her, from in front of her, not far away, came the sounds of battle, the cries of the wounded and the clashing of weapons. Then, f- behind her, another voice. That voice. Stay here. I'll come back for you. She whirled, glazed eyes desperately scanning the dark gaps between the slender trees, trying to penetrate the darkness. 
Where are you? She started running towards the voice. I'll come back, sweetheart, I promise. I'm here, right here, where are you? No response. She started forward again, running, only to be brought to a sudden halt by a figure appearing without warning from behind a tree. Dun dun dun! <laughs> yeah. So. Very interesting indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, I guess the main thing that stands out to me is that voice, the curious yes. voice that Ray is here, that Ray is hearing. Um, it's clearly someone from her past because she recognises the voice even though she doesn't know who it is mm-hmm. um, so it's presumably someone who is special to her I know there's lots of crackpot theories about this like I've seen yes. people oh, there say is. it could I... Kylo I've seen people yeah, say I used to be uh, like on that crackpot theory and now I'm like oh my god I was an idiot like on Kylo, <laughs> oh. on Kylo. yeah oh. well I, I don't say I was an idiot but I'm like oh, I was thinking probably too much into that when it probably is pro- just her I think they said it was a man's voice, mm. so it probably was just supposed to be her father. Mm-hmm. But I think they probably just wanted to keep their parents or her parents in complete mystery. Mm-hmm. And I think they were kind of toying with. They want us to keep guessing that maybe Luke. Yeah. And so if they had a man's voice saying that, it'd be pretty clear that it's not Luke. And I wish they had done that. Mm. And even though I do think you can make sense of it. If it actually was a vision of the future, maybe it being mm-hmm. Kylo, but I don't think it's one from the past. If it if if this happened to be originally Kylo's dialogue, right? Yeah, and we've been told by JJ that they never met before. Now, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it wouldn't work if he was from the past. But I think yeah. a lot of the- earlier theories before Bloodline came out, people were kind of thinking that she was at the academy and then was dropped off on Jakku either by right. Luke or Kylo. Yeah, or I, I was definitely on that theory until Bloodline came out. Mm. Yeah, I think it was very popular, right? Because yeah. people. It seems like there was a connection between the two characters, so people just kind of assumed it meant that they'd met before. But Yeah, I've, the other theory I've seen about the Kylo angle is that it's actually a vision of the future. And it's something mm-hmm. Kylo says to her at some unknown point in the future. But I don't see them ever doing that because it would be so specific to write dialogue like at that early point that would then have to be revisited verbatim later on. So I think mm-hmm. it's kind yeah. of aligned for like the future filmmakers. I think if it was that important, it would have been in the film. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's yeah. the other main. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah, I think it was probably just like a throwaway line that she was hearing her parents, and then they're like, "They were hearing your parents, and it was a baby for you to think that it was Luke." I think that's what it was, or that they or just kind of hadn't thinking. totally figured out her parents' yeah. situation yet. Because I think even uh, was like the editor for TFA said something along the lines that she, she didn't even think JJ knew. Mm-hmm like mm. what exactly he wanted for Ray's parents' story. So I think he probably cut out anything that tied them down too much. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know what? I'll let Ryan deal with this one. Yeah. You can figure out what happened with her parents. Here you go, buddy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It seems like the whole vision was changed a lot in editing and reshoots. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so the way it works in novelizations is they're obviously based on like the early draft of the screenplay. I'd guess the finished shooting draft um and then obviously they update things and change things as stuff changes with the production so it's very interesting to me that they kept this very distinctly different version of the vision in the novelization like Mm -hmm. even though it's radically changed by the movie which kind of makes me think that they must have changed it in the film relatively late in the day because i think there's a point with books that is just too late to change things like this 
So I expect if it was like, I don't know, five months out from the book having to be released. And like, oh, we've completely changed the vision again. It'd be like, sorry, too late. It just has to stay. We're already in prints, guys. Yeah. yeah. The books are being put together as we speak already. Uh, oh, well. Hopefully nobody will notice. They don't know Star Wars fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's okay because it's not like anything contradicts no, anything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, At least nothing that we have right now. It's probably good, really, because it, it leads to more speculation like this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It just creates um, lots more mystery. So like, the yeah. part I also find really interesting is like the prospect of this battle being significant. Mm-hmm. Because um, like it does convey the impression, and I'm sure it's deliberately misleading, and obviously we can't place too much stock on it because this is only in the novelization. But it does seem to imply there was some kind of big battle and that Ray was like abandoned or hidden like as a consequence of that battle, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And I remember a interview of the little girl who played Ray in the flashback and she described her costume as war clothes, which oh. is an interesting detail because we know that scene with the little girl was filmed in reshoots quite late in the day. So yeah. that would imply like if the child wasn't confused or something, which I would not blame her for. I think she's only like seven or something. I do not expect. Yeah. She's so cute. Confident. She's adorable. She's really adorable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting detail. And it makes me think that there might still be something in this aspect of the vision that it is going to be something where we've learned things from The Last Jedi that cause us to go back to this and be like, oh, that's what was going on. And that'd yeah, be really yeah, so. I agree. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. I, I want that too. Cause I would, I would love for things in the last Jedi to make things in the force awakens make sense. Cause there's a, I'm not gonna say that there's a lot of plot holes because it's obviously way too early, but that's one of my favorite things is when they start to explain stuff from the last movie. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, yeah. Oh, this makes it way more fun. Now I can watch the force awakens again and start to understand more of you it. You get this full circle effect mm-hmm. of questions being answered. Mm-hmm. And I think hopefully we'll we'll get some of Ray's backstory, especially um, because Star Wars doesn't do a lot of flashbacks. So for them to be doing this, her having Force vision and stuff like that, I want those to matter. Mm-hmm. I want what she's seen. I want those things to have significance. Yeah. I also find it interesting. There's the reference to um seeing like the boy at the mm. end of the corridor because that's very very vague in the novelization. But, like, are we all basically agreed that that's Ben Solo? That she's yeah. Yeah. Brutal? I don't think that's, like, a question. Yeah. yeah because-, because Marianne Brandon said, when she was doing an interview of some kind, she said that it was the little boy was with Snoke. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't really be anyone else, can it? Yeah. I mean, that has to be him. Exactly. Because otherwise, why would she even have that vision at all? Yeah. Now, it's interesting that in the shot list that's on the Millennium Falcon which is yet another version of this. I won't read all of it out, but a lot of that vision from the shot list seems to be about like Ben Solo's story. So mm-hmm. you have things like shot 198, Leia and Han Solo hand over young Kylo Ren to his uncle for training, shot 200, young Kylo Ren being trained by his uncle, shot 202, bodies left behind, young Kylo Ren is gone, shot 203, jagged terrain palace, Kylo Ren joins the Knights of Ren. Shot 204. Academy. R2. D2 upset as his master leaves. And then more stuff about Kylo joining the Knights of Ren and Mars basically stealing, stealing a lightsaber from Kylo. Um, it's I think that's hilarious. It is I hilarious. love that. 
that Maz just goes and steals it straight from Kylo. She's like, no, you're a bad kid. And he's like, what, what, what? She's gone. Crap. <laughs> my legacy saber. <laughs> no. Yeah. That was my grandpa's saber. You're stealing <laughs> it from me. It's not a great look for a wannabe Dark Lord, basically. Yeah. No, no, it's really not. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm glad with the changes they made, or like they made the Force Vision a little more wham pow because this is very much just like ah the journey of the saber yeah um it's interesting for sure but it's almost the retrieval is a little little lackluster Uh almost i'm like oh i was hoping it was going to be a little more epic rather than maz just one day the knights of ren are making s'mores (laughs) and maz is like yo and rides off on a speeder and she just toddles up and she's like you don't deserve this and she takes it She's like, my boyfriend will like this. There you go. <laughs> it definitely seems like there was originally like basically a big exposition dump about what happened with Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. And yeah. now it seems pretty clear that we're going to get that in The Last Jedi instead because we've mm-hmm. heard that we're going to get like a return to the whole vision. And we even saw it in the trailer. So it's not really right. a spoiler because we see Luke collapse into his knees in front of his burning temple. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's pretty clear we're going to get further context on that, and I'd expect to see this whole story of Ben Solo um, much expanded upon, which I'm excited about. Me too, because uh, I think if they were doing it like this, they probably weren't intending to explain it much more. Like they had this story, and you're like, ah, oh, people will get it. And I'm glad with the decision that they're going to make it a more of a bigger story tale more important story maybe a little more nuanced and a little more unexpected than we originally thought absolutely it was going to be and i think Mm -hmm. that has to come from a place of them wanting to humanize him more because i think with a lot of people in the fandom who are like kylo ren can never be redeemed and then and then people are like but lucasfilm is like okay i guess we're gonna have to try harder than we thought we were going to to have to redeem kylo we thought everything was pretty clear and that he seemed really conflicted from the first movie, but uh, instead, let's 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 focus on humanizing him in this movie. Mm. No, definitely, I I absolutely think that's where they're going with it. I mean, Adams even said as much um, mm-hmm. in that marvelous Larry King interview. Such a good <laughs> interview. So, so good. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, wasn't that he also said in that interview that there were plot points operating in the first film that are going to be explained? Yes, so he did. He basically, yeah. oh, that was so reassuring. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he said that Every, getting around. Everything they've said is so reassuring. Uh, I don't think there's been anything they've outwardly said that have concerned me yet. Like no. every right now, everything like okay, this sounds great. Uh, this is where I wanted it to be moving. And towards. I think I'm I somewhere in that interview he like Larry King asked him is like people are saying this movie's going to be a lot darker. And Adam's like, I don't think you get much darker than, like, killing Han Solo. <laughs> like, yeah, for his character. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm not sure you can get much darker than for me. And then, but Poe's over there being like, it's a lot darker. And I swear in another in- interview, Adam even said it was funnier, which I'm, like, hoping. <laughs> that just means Kylo has this, like, great comedic moments. Well, I mean, he is pretty funny in the first movie. Yeah. He is funny. Ah, oh, that sassy, sad, tortured boy. Yep. Love him. Maybe um like Snoke tries to like improve like relations between Kylo and the First Order by um like get a starting up a comedy club and like, <laughs> yeah. like everyone has to like take turns um Is like and do a stand up routine. <laughs> we get to see Kylo's improv. night. Yeah, improv night. <laughs> and everyone's just terrified. 
Kylo like makes a joke and then nobody laughs and he like reaches for his lightsaber and they're like "Ah!" (laughs) that guy's funny don't kill me someone needs (laughs) more fan art I demand someone draw this (laughs) oh my gosh Um, right then the next thing we want to talk about is the scene where Leia and Han discuss little lost baby Ben um (laughs) <laughs> well, he's not so much a baby now, obviously, but I'm sure in their minds he's always a baby. He's always their baby. Yes. Exactly. He's always that little bundle of screeching joy. Um, yeah, JJ was talking about this in the commentary. Like, during that moment, obviously, it's been shortened for the actual final film, but mm-hmm. he was saying it's a very relatable conversation between two parents when their kid's kind of gone off the rails and they're really worried about him. Yeah. So, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah. She's just like, normally in real life, people only have to worry about their kids, like, I don't know, maybe drinking too young. Uh, <laughs> these parents have to worry about their son becoming a galactic Sith Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a very burden. relatable. <laughs> it's like days of our lives. Yep. <laughs> he met her eyes steadily. We've lost our son forever. Leia bit her lower lip, refusing to concede. No, it was Snoke. Han drew back slightly. Snoke? She nodded. He knew our child would be strong with the Force, that he was born with equal potential for good or evil. You knew this from the beginning? Why didn't you tell me? (laughs) What is that accent? Why didn't you tell me? Was that your, like, southern accent? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, is that like a, is this like a preacher? (laughs) Why didn't you tell me? (laughs) I I think that must be what I was going for. Um, Let me go again with that. (laughs) Sorry, I'll be more normal. (laughs) You knew this from the beginning? Why didn't you tell me? She sighed. Many reasons. I was hoping that I was wrong, that it wasn't true. I hoped I could sway him, turn him away from the dark side without having to involve you. A small smile appeared. You had... You have wonderful qualities, Han, but patience and understanding were never among them. I was afraid that your reactions would only drive him further to the dark side. I thought I could shield him from Snoke's influence and you from what was happening. Her voice dropped. It's clear now that I was wrong. Whether your involvement would have made a difference, we'll never know. He had trouble believing what he was hearing. So Snoke was watching our son. Always, she told him. From the shadows, in the beginning, even before I realised what was happening, he was manipulating everything, pulling our son toward the dark side. But nothing's impossible, Han. Not even now, at this late time. I have this feeling that if anyone can save him, it's you. Oh, Oh, there was another Yeah, there was another part in the commentary where JJ actually says they're talking about Snoke being responsible for Ben falling to the dark side. Hmm. Which is like, I mean, that's essentially what they're saying, right? That he was always there. Yeah. I just wish this had been a bit stronger in the final version of the film. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I think I've already, like, I've mentioned this once, I've mentioned it a hundred times. And I think JJ wanted to just keep things so secret that it just, not even secret, but subtle, that it went over a lot of people's heads. Mm-hmm. So and that when it was revealed in the next movie, people would be like, oh. oh. But I think a lot of people, if they've only seen the movie once or maybe twice, mm-hmm. won't won't see it um but like i just love the line of like whether your involvement would have made a difference we'll never know and that if she has this feeling anyone can save him it's you and i think 
I mean, to me, this is why Kylo's redemption is so important and that mm. Han's final act. Because Leia, yeah, because then Leia was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, even though it, it ends so tragically, she will know that Han's involvement did make a difference. Mm-hmm. Because and she, her feeling that if anyone could save you, it's him. Mm-hmm. Because I, I still have a feeling that somewhere down the line, Han's death is going to be Kylo's turning point. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it already has has started. Obviously, we see how conflicted he is after he. He kills Han. And he's like, ah, oh, this doesn't make me feel the way that I, I thought it would make me feel. I can't use the Force. Ah, uh, crap. Yeah, we'll see how it, we'll see how uh, it all comes around. But I, I just with the way Leia's wording these things mm-hmm. and how you would write this in storytelling in general, I just feel like Han's death has to be that turning point. Mm-hmm. Mm. I agree. Or or will be the Moving realized forward. one yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, we won't see it right away, but later on it'll all come down to what was that turning point, and it was Han. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it kind of makes a mockery of like Leia's passionate belief in the fact that there's still good in him, that like Han can bring him back if like he does just become like eviler and eviler, which mm-hmm. is why I kind of find it baffling when I, I see these comments online, and it's so, so common to see these comments that old Kylo Ren, like, there's no hope for him. It would be awful if he were redeemed. Like, he just needs to become <sighs> this, like, uber-dark Sith Lord. And I just think that... Like, I, I don't like to be mean, because all of these are just theories and different interpretations. But mm-hmm. for me, that is just, like, a fundamental misreading of the film yeah. and yeah. just Star Wars in general and what it's all about. It's not about, oh, well, hope was completely misplaced and we should have given up hope in our child a long time ago. That's right. just so gross to me. That's not Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely how we feel as well. And also, it's it's cool if you want your dark, ed- edgy Sith Lord, but the character Princess Leia, she has a son. You don't want that son to be redeemed? You don't want, like, how well, can you want... And I know a lot of people are just mad about Han, and I'm like, but do you want Han's death to really mean nothing? Right. If mm. Kylo dies unredeemed, Han dies for nothing. Yeah. And uh, I feel like that's such a sour ending for all of these characters. And the the way they can get the happiest ending, or like the one that we would have liked to see for maybe Han, is if they're able to save his son mm-hmm. in some fashion. And like in the junior novelization, that's why I love the junior novelization so much more is Han's death scene in particular. Yeah. Um, where they even have a line where it's like something along the lines where Han forgave his son and he hoped one day his son could forgive him too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's such a good line. It is. It's so emotional. And like, like just the way they describe Kylo in that scene, like when his father's seen him for the first time in so long, He's like describing how he's pale, like he's starved of nourishment, and it's like, <laughs> like yeah. you, you just read it and you really understand the pain Han feels as a parent, which I think mm-hmm. Harrison Ford actually conveys really, really well in his performance. But it's oh, just something about seeing it there in typeface in front of you that's really powerful. It, because I, I don't think so in sad. the Alan Dean Foster iteration that comes through at all. Like no. there just isn't emotion. Because adult novelizations. That's why I like young adult 
fiction better because it does focus on characters and their emotions way more. An adult novelization loves to like talk about a tree for two pages. I'm like, that's fun and all. <laughs> Why? But I care about what's going through these characters' heads right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I also really love that Leia was given this part of the story where she was like, no, there's still good in him because she's the yeah exactly and that was totally missing from leia's involvement with vader like she mm-hmm. didn't have any in the original trilogy which i don't um, blame her <laughs> no well no of course not but like because they decided so late in the game that she was luke's sister uh-huh. um but then there was also the callback when padme's saying it to obi-wan and it's like she has to be right mm-hmm. because i mean there's such heavy like it's, it's such a clear parallel Everyone um, else was right in the other movies. Leia has to be right now, guys. Yeah, exactly. Like, and if I mean, she's clearly not... she is right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kylo literally has a line where he's talking to no one. Because I, I love when people think he's lying. Like, who's he lying to? The mask? <laughs> it's like, I feel this pull to the light. I'm like, he's admitting something very shamefully, like, to, to himself, himself. in a Like, presumably a locked room. To, to a mask. And you think he's lying? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's called cheating the narrative. <laughs> but, uh, like, because I think, especially Leia having this faith in her son is such a good resolution for her story, and especially with Vader. Because in Bloodline in particular, she has this kind of lack of understanding for the dark side, and she has this no idea why Luke could ever forgive Vader and why Luke has this faith in Vader's redemption. And at the end of the novel, she sort of has this moment where she starts to get it. And I think it's so important for Leia to have this moment where she she has her kind of Vader moment, where she understands why Luke wanted, like, mm-hmm. had this faith in Vader. And she's like, oh, I get it now because I feel it in my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love her relationship with Castafo. That they start character. out so antagonistic and then she realizes... I mean, I think he's supposed to be kind of a stand-in for Ben, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Doesn't she say all the time that he reminds her of her son? I, my favorite line in Bloodline is when Leia's like looking at Castrofo and she makes notice about his hairstyle. Mm-hmm. And Leia's like, oh, Castrofo has big ears and he wears his hair like that to cover his ears. My son does that. <laughs> like, Kylo's hairstyle is has a canon reason because he's, he's like, embarrassed of his ears. He's like, you to be... <laughs> I will hide them with like, my hair. Like, that's so cute. <laughs> my beautiful hair. Yeah. Works well for everyone, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Then, I think we get to something that we are all very excited about. And uh, that is the famous compassion scene. Uh, right. Okay, to switch things up, I think I'm going to make you Snoke. Kirsty, how do you feel uh, about that? Okay. I, I, can, I can do it. I can channel my evil Darksider. Okay, cool. Great. Do your best evil Darksider voice. Like, and put me to shame. The Supreme Leader's voice was flat. You have compassion for her. Amazing. Great job. <laughs> that was really <laughs> was good. Great. No, never. Compassion? For an enemy of the Order? I perceive the problem. Snoke intoned. It isn't her strength that is making you fail. It's your weakness. The rebuke hurt, but Ren didn't show it. Where is the droid? Hux enters. <laughs> and then there's like boring conversation with Hux that I haven't included. Buoyed by the praise, Hux turned and strode quickly out of the hall. That left Snoke to fix his eyes on its sole remaining occupant. Ugh, the writing. Oh, Kylo God. Ren, it appears that a reminder is in order, so I will show you the dark side. 
bring the girl to me. Dun dun dun! Oh, I so love dramatic. this scene so much. I understand why they took it out, but I still wish it was there. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's yeah. go around everyone. Why do we think they took this out? Theories. Oh, uh, I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, some of us are going to be on the same page here because mm-hmm. we were talking about before. Yeah. I think it's just they're moving it to Last Jedi mm-hmm. or very similar conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be a little redundant to have it in there twice. And it makes more sense to have it after he let her live twice. Yeah. Um, and because very clearly in the lightsaber battle, he had an opportunity to to kill her if he really wanted to. Um, yeah. And he didn't. He had two opportunities to get what he wanted and or what, quote unquote, Snoke wanted and didn't do it. So I think it will make more sense to really drive that point home in the beginning of The Last Jedi. And it's why Kylo's so desperate to prove himself. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I don't have much to add because me and CT have talked about this forever and we're on <laughs> exactly the same page. We talk about it constantly, just like laying on the ground <laughs> on our apartment. Like, Do you ever <laughs> think about that compassion? <laughs> yeah. And then when they took it out, I, I get it. I get it, but... You know I, they recorded it and I just want to see it. It's, it's just because I, I think it was too early in a, in a movie to show that. In a book you can do that. In like other media you can do that. But for these movies where you only get in like an hour and like what is it, an hour and 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. It's just too soon. Yeah. And so they're going to move And it makes more sense later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for him to be reprimanded for his compassion. When... After he's, he's like, okay, the first time I gave you the benefit of the doubt, the second time... I think I, you're starting to play me, Snoke. Like, I, I, uh, Kylo. I know you uh, killed your dad, but what about her? What What is with this girl and her pretty hair that you won't? Uh, you, you won't do what I want you to do. And Kylo's like, ah, I, ooh. I don't know. I, I, I killed my dad. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's going to set the tone for the beginning of the second film. Yeah. Right? Like, if you have this in the. Force Awakens. I I think it's already pretty obvious that Kylo feels compassion for Rey, but it would have been like bright neon lights for the audience. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, we can see where things are going now. Obviously, yeah. this girl is going to be his downfall in some form. Yeah, and that's the reason why I wish they had kept it in there because I feel like it did go over a lot of like Kylo's intentions and his like acting choices did go over a lot of people's uh, heads. Yeah, but... but now you just get to lord it over them later when they're like, oh, stupid girls, they don't know anything about Star Wars. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what you said. So, but, yeah, uh... that's... <laughs> so I think it'll just be moved to Last Jedi. And I, I don't think the scene is gone. No. I think a very similar one will be back in the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this could be the kind of thing that Adam Driver was referring to when he said plot points were operating that you don't know about. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, spoiler alert, he had compassion for the heroine. Yeah. Yeah. That would explain his weird behavior. I wonder if that scene was one of the things that Ryan Johnson asked J.J. Abrams to change, to be honest. Like, if if he perhaps went to him and said, look, J.J., I think this is like a bit too on the nose for your movie. And obviously this is going to be like one of the main through lines of my movie. So could you please change this scene? So then it's a great scene. So great. I, I want, want it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give it, give it to me. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, cause he would have been unmasked as well. So you would have seen his reaction to the compassion, uh, like accusation. I would give to see that scene acted out. Uh, it would have been beautiful. Adam's eyebrows just like, 
slowly, like he just twinges and he's like, oh, it's stung. And he's got that sad puppy face on his. He's like, no, oh no, Snoke, you hurt me. <laughs> Hit it before it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> right in the compassion. <laughs> yeah, no, um, definitely. So I think that Adam Driver who plays Kylo is such, like he has such an open face. You know, you can't look at Kylo's face and not know what he's feeling because he's rubbish at disguising his emotions. He just can't do it. That's why he re- wears the mask. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't even begin to think about how he's going to cope in episode eight now that he seems to have basically lost the mask for the Woo-hoo. most part because, yeah, like he's going to go around and like the moment like he gets like distressed or emotional about something, it's going to be there playing on his I'm face. I'm excited. See. Yeah. I think they might trick us at the beginning and have us thinking that he's more dark side and badass than ever yeah well know? i do think like he'll be like really like violent and aggressive and out for retribution and stuff yeah but, i think he'll like, be compensating for how conflicted he feels by being very angry yeah and just only showing anger for a little bit yeah like i think he'll be like expressing these really intense emotions but it will start mm-hmm. out with him showing the kinds of intense emotions that people expect from a villain so like vengeance mm. and anger and mm-hmm. stuff and then, like, as the film goes on, like, tinfoil hatting, I guess, um, <laughs> we're going to see, like, more other kinds of emotions overcome him, like tears mm-hmm. and, like, the kinds of stuff that's going to make people squirmy in their seats and go, oh, I don't like a villain or being, like, emotional and stuff. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, like, well, guess what? This is what humans are. <laughs> They're complex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that he says, so I will show you the dark side. Because mm. it's like, well, isn't he supposed to be on the dark side? Why do you need to show him? Yeah. And I, I that line has always made me wonder, like, what he's going to do to Ray. Oh, my God. Probably kill her. Yeah, it makes it sound to me like he's going to use her as, like, some kind of demonstration. Yeah, mm. you know, absolutely. I figured he was going to torture and or kill her. He's like, I'm going to show you what it means to be dark. And Kylo's like, oh, Especially when, like... <laughs> Uh, even before, uh, in a way, Snoke's alluding that, like, killing compassion, or, like, that if the father had killed the the son, we wouldn't have, be in this mess, mm-hmm. and kind of alluding to, right, in order to kill, kill this compassion, you need to kill Han. So, I mean, I think that Snoke's definitely alluding that, it's like, hey, you have this this person that you actually feel empathy towards, uh, you, you somehow care on this level that we don't quite understand yet, I'm gonna kill her in front of you. Yeah. Mm. We need to cut that off before it becomes even more of a problem than it already has been. Yeah. Kylo's like, oh no. (laughs) Also, if that were to happen, I'm sure Kylo is then sitting there thinking, well, I've already killed Han, and if he's going to kill Rey, that means my mom is next. Mm. Which would probably also make him go, I gotta go. Maybe I gotta go. <laughs> Maybe I gotta get out of here. Mm. I mean, it is, it, even with, like, the context of the movie, it's super interesting where they have this Snoke demanding that Kylo brings Rey to him. Mm-hmm. And, but when we have, go back to the film, Kylo's the one, like, I, I'll, I'll be the one to teach you. He doesn't mention, like, bringing her Snoke at all. No, absolutely not. Um, he makes it seem more like, let's, that... let's, you and me, we'll leave and I'll teach you. That's, the implication I always got. I completely... I think I had forgotten about Snoke. I I forget about Snoke all the time. <laughs> not to not to lie. I know there's exists, another big bad guy. Mean? But, like, yeah, yeah, just I forget that he exists because Kylo, like, never mentions him. Mm. 
I think that's that part. That's partly by design as well, because they want you to think that Kylo's the big bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But I also think it's for me. I always think that it's that way because I feel like Kylo isn't as involved with Snoke or doesn't want to be as involved with Snoke as he is. Well, I think I like because I actually think the opposite. I think the only person he is loyal to in that whole is Snoke. Is Snoke mm. in that whole mm. kitten caboodle? Oh, well, I don't think he would be with the First Order otherwise. Yeah, but I also I don't know. Part of me just sees him as wanting to get away from both of them. I mean, I think he but has maybe that's some, just me. obviously some issues with fathers, and he thinks Snoke is his father figure, his father figure right. basically. I can see that. And she's like, dad, real dad, but not real dad, <laughs> but you were more of a father to me. But you're always nice and praise me, except for when you uh, make me kill people. <laughs> yep. I guess um, with Snoke, you do when... Like when Kylo's talking to Han, like just before he kills him, he says stuff like "Supreme Leader is wise" and stuff. So he he seems to be talking a lot about him then, but I think that's because like he's trying to persuade himself that his new father figure, Snoke, is the one he wants to be loyal to rather than his actual father, who's Han. Um, So that's why he's kind of like half-heartedly sticking up for Snoke basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he's convincing himself line. he made the right decision. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You can tell his heart isn't in it when he's saying it. He says it like someone who's repeating like a mantra, but mm-hmm. like he doesn't really believe in it. Like he's a bit detached from it. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. How I feel. It's a really interesting vibe. Like I don't think that he's wholeheartedly into Snoke, as you could say. Um, like he definitely seems to have serious doubts, I think, and like, I think obviously killing his father, I think that made him realise that, oh shit, this didn't get me what I wanted. This mm-hmm. isn't where I wanted to be, and this isn't what Snoke promised. So yeah. he's gone badly, badly wrong. And I think we're going to see that really like sink in with Kylo in The Last Jedi. Because that's such a good, like, now that you say that, it's a good moment to where Kylo's realising that Snoke lied to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, where that action put the seeds is like oh he like you kind of know that kylo kind of thinks that that it's in him but that action is like no no he's not snoke's not lying to me i'll i'll kill han and i'll feel better and i'll feel better about this and you're like oh wait this just kind of confirmed that snoke's using me Mm -hmm. he's he lied to me i did not feel the the power or like the I lack definitely of compassion, don't feel the light's stronger. not good. I don't feel stronger. I just feel guilty and I can't Weak use the force. And a mess. Mm. Yeah, and there's such an interesting dynamic. I think there's like an essay I want to write, like um Kylo yeah. and his three different fathers or something. Because yeah. <laughs> yep. he has so many different father figures, there's no wonder he's confused. He's like Han, he has Luke, he has Snoke, and it's like, oh, daddy, daddy, get me out of here. <laughs> three men and a baby AU. <laughs> Those are normally like my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite trope. Snoke, Han, and Luke raise this baby. <laughs> Two of them abandon Kylo constantly. Yeah. Kylo gets attached to the grossest looking one, and Han and Luke are like, what? But look at how handsome we are. And Snoke's like, well, I don't leave them all the time. <laughs> at least I'm attentive. Yes. I'm attentive and rub his head when he does good things. Like, why do you think he likes me? You know how you ruffle kids' hair? Like, pat their heads? It's just oh, like, a weird way to put it. Yeah, I, I, I'm tired. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I meant to say ruffle his hair or pat his head, but I said rub his head. I did drag you out of bed early. I take responsibility. <laughs> it's, 
it's okay. Um, right, and then we get on to a final quote, and I cannot believe we've been talking just about the quotes for nearly two hours. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Night of <laughs> No, no, no. This is is not unusual even for us, but wow, yeah. Like but... We're always impressed with how long you guys can go, and oh. we're like, oh man, this is what structure can do? <laughs> Bravo! Yeah. Give you a great deal of fuel, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. I think I'll be able to handle this solo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It is you, Wren murmured. His words unsettled her. Not for the first time. He seemed to know more about her than she did about herself. But she had no time to ponder his comment. Nor was she inclined to do so anyway. She was too consumed with rage. That passive voice again, man. Seriously. It's so... Yeah, but um, this isn't the criticism of Andy Foster's well. <laughs> oh, <Ben>. um, <laughs> CT and Solo, I actually wanted to ask you about this in particular because right. you had that amazing episode of your own podcast where it was <laughs> that whole Ray might be the harbinger of doom theory, and it's really really cool. And like, I was wondering, just like based on what you've heard and like the theories and stuff you've built up around that. Does that tie into this at all? Like, do you think that when Kylo is saying this, it might be some kind of reference to the fact that he knows this like dangerous girl exists and that he's putting the pieces together in his mind at this point? Do you think that might be what's going on? I, like, actually, a part of me, if our crazy tinfoil hat theory has any validity to it, and again, when we came up with this uh, theory, which in short is just that basically raise kind of like this prophesized ticking time bomb mm-hmm. uh, that Kylo knows about and everyone knows about that they were trying to hunt down and that's why a lot of people died. But uh, like like a part of me, because I think Pablo even said something about this quote and he just like, when Kylo says this, that it is you, he just means it as she's the awakening. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of uh, inclined to believe that at face value. Uh, because I know I do look into things a lot more than I should. Yeah, but we don't really know what the awakening is yet. We yeah. don't. That is very, actually, very. The very awakening true. is the doom. Is the yeah. doom? <laughs> Could be. Because um, it it does seem like he he knows her, and on some level that, and again, I don't think she's related. Um, I think mm. we have plenty of evidence that basically knocks that out of a window. So there has to be some sort of way that he knew she was gonna coming in some form yeah i think this is literally him just going this is it is you you meaning like the thing i heard about either if that's the awakening or this harbinger of doom theory or something like nothing that he's like physically met her it's just something that he maybe read about somewhere heard about somewhere it does lead into our little tinfoil hat and like it does fit quite nicely it into would our fit, theory. it would cement it pretty well but uh yeah yeah. <laughs> well, take that take that harbinger of doom theory, you know, definitely have your tinfoil hat on with that one. Yeah. But and it's fun. Like we talk about crazy theories on here all the time. We have right. a Reddit mm-hmm. segment. We enjoy it. So <laughs> Yeah. Because mm-hmm. basically like just piecing things together, I mm-hmm. think uh that would be a it, nice it definitely piece. could fit, but we get to a certain point where I'm like, all right, may- maybe I'll believe Pablo that it's just this referring but yeah like you said we don't know what the awakening is mm-hmm. yeah um how about you Kirsty? like do you like are you inclined to just believe it's the awakening that um as pablo claimed 
Um, I don't think he's lying, but we, mm. because we just we don't know what that is yet. So yes. it's like maybe that won't be answered, or maybe it's part like a really important part of the story. Um, I mean, Jason Ward. Uh, am I okay to get into spoilers? Um, yes, Mi- micro spoiler warning, people, for whatever Kirsty's about to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason Ward said on Making a Star Wars podcast a few weeks ago that. Um, he has been told that Luke is going to explain Ray's connection to the Force to her, mm-hmm. which I guess could be in just a generic. Oh, here's a quick recap on what the Force is, but it could also be about her specifically, and like maybe he does know who she is by the time. Like he he starts to work it out because I know Daisy said that when she first shows up, Luke obviously doesn't recognize her. Yeah, but maybe once he is kind of brought up to speed in terms of what. Like she's been able to do, she was able to defeat Kylo or whatever, and she has the saber. Maybe he starts to piece things together and realizes this is the girl that he was looking for or something. Yeah, but who knows? Like it's all so vague. It is, but yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of validity in that, and like you say, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. Like because what the awakening is is so ambiguous, and I think that the nature of the awakening is probably going to tie into Ray's connection to the Force. Because, as far as we can tell, the title The Force Awakens refers to the Force Awakening and Rey. So it does seem to be very specific to her and very much about like her character specifically. Well, um, I think JJ said at one point that it was also about Kylo, but I don't see how because when we, we meet him at the beginning, he's using the Force just fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Kylo ends the movie not able to use the Force as well as he could in the beginning of the movie. So for him, it's more like the Force... Sleepins. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the horse fizzles out. Yeah. I think the quote from JJ was something like it's about um the light side awakening in the young woman and like the dark side awakening in the villain or something like that. Um, yeah, something along which, those lines. Yeah, which has always struck me as like an odd quote because I think if anything, you see Kylo's strength in the dark side becoming progressively more shaken and diminished as the right. film goes along, rather than like him becoming stronger in it. So um, also you see this anger come out in in Ray that you don't really see in the beginning of the movie as much. Like she ends that movie with like this furiosity, which mm. we we accredit to maybe like a force bond happening between her and Kylo without her realizing where she's taking on some of Kylo's attributes. But mm. just her fighting stance by the end of the movie is completely different from how she's fought for throughout the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. So so it I I don't know because there it is this almost interesting switch between the two where like, crossover. Uh, like Ray starts off like they both start off well Kylo starts off with his extreme anger and Ray starts starts off with her like uh, like extreme optimism mm-hmm. and it kind of though they don't completely tra- change sides 100% at least Kylo kind of falters and he's not as confident and a little shaken and weaker by the end of the movie and Ray is a lot angrier mm-hmm. and uh, about driven things that are happening mm-hmm. and obviously just probably a lot less hopeful after everything that has just gone on mm-hmm. yeah um right i think that actually brings us to the end of our discussion about the novelization oh, so thank you very much everyone i felt that was a very productive chat and quite amusing in places <laughs> We're so sorry for your editing that you're going to have to do. (laughs) Sorry about it. Uh, No, don't worry. If if people haven't read the novelizations, I would recommend that you choose the junior one if you're only going to pick one. Mm -hmm. But the the adult one probably makes 
is more relevant to seeing what changed like during production. But the ones have a good laugh. The adult one has a few like A plus moments. Oh yeah, yeah. The, oh, there's this amazing part when um which obviously was missing again from the film when Poe is on Jakku trying to escape. Yes. And he's picked up by that scavenger who like starts coming on to him. It's so good. <laughs> yep. He like looks him up and down and is like, mm, I should scavenge you. Yep. <laughs> and Poe's like, uh, well, I'll do anything to get off this planet. Anything. Fade to black. <laughs> That's why it's the adult novelization. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Wink. I mean, Kylo's like, and Kylo's written so differently in the novel. Like, I feel like Kylo's a lot calmer in the novel. Like, he's mm. not as villainous. Mm. Like, even... Yeah, I think he's he, more like, human, you might say. But I think he even, like, apologizes to Lord Senteca beforehand, like, before he kills him. He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I, but I'm in front of all my friends. I need to be real cool. But, uh, <laughs> they'll never let me live it down, man. And even with, like, the in the interrogation scene with Rey, he... I, and I wish they had cut this line in uh, about how he hates interrogating people. He's like, I don't like doing this because it hurts me too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I feel like they took a lot of this stuff out because they wanted Kylo to kind of seem more villainous and mm-hmm. like, like a big bad. Yeah. Uh, but at least in Alan Dean Foster's very romanticized version of Kylo, uh, he's a softy. He's he's a lot softer, and it's a lot more clear. You can tell he's not as confident as maybe they had portrayed Kylo in the beginning of the film. His lack of confidence is kind of more throughout the entire novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Then I think we should just shuffle into a quickie spoiler section. Um, All right. And I will include the normal warning tones right here. I shouldn't. Do it. Right, so now you are safely on the other side with us, and that means that spoilers are going to happen. Um, so yeah, bye-bye if you don't want spoilers. You should have already left at the siren, but I'm just giving you yeah. one final chance. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have some quite interesting stuff to talk about, actually. Um, the first one is that TMZ has the first photos from the set of the Han Solo movie. Um, have we all actually looked at these photos? I have. Have you? Have you seen them? No, the one that you showed oh, yeah, me. Oh, yeah. I literally showed you them this morning. So, yep. <laughs> never mind. Nice. And have you seen them, Kirsty? Yep. I've got them open in front of me as well. So. Excellent. Um, yeah, like I don't want to go through them one by one or anything. So it's like dozens of photos. So it would take a long time. Um, but yeah, like... There's our first look at Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo here. And literally my main takeaway is that they've given him rather magnificent hair. And I do wonder if this they is have. Like a way of retconning those like solo jeans to say, <laughs> look, this is young Han Solo. Look at that beautiful, luscious, flowing, curling hair. Now look at Ben. See, it's like he's just like his dad, you know? Um, so I Han think... had pretty fab hair. Oh, I do think Han had pretty beautiful hair anyway. But they just seem to be. Ben making... has Anakin hair though. But yeah. I'm just saying, like uh, now they're, they're saying they're from both sides. Up Han's hair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they seem to be giving it more volume. I think it mm-hmm. has more volume than original trilogy Han had. Um, you see, yeah. guys, this is why people listen to us. It's because we're the only podcast where we talk in depth about the characters' hairstyles. Sorry, <laughs> hey, we're talking about genealogy. Is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah this is very sophisticated talk very high-minded yes 
Yes. Thing, he looks like he has a facial injury of some kind. Yeah, he looks yeah, he like he's like been he bust up. up. Yeah. He got stung by a lot of bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that makes sense for Han Solo. He'd probably be in like a few bar brawls. Mm. Yeah, probably. He probably just got his butt kicked. Maybe by Chewbacca. Who knows? <laughs> I quite like the look of the cu- of the vehicles. I'm not normally a vehicle person, but they have like a cool like DIY quality to them. They literally mm-hmm. look like they were cobbled together in a junkyard. Yeah, it's kind of Mad Max. Um, yeah, definitely. Like you expect them to be like riding through deserts with plumes of sand coming up from behind them. <laughs> yeah, and they seem seem to be like going full on for that like seventies vibe in terms of the visual aesthetic, which doesn't surprise me um, because I'm sure this that is right before New Hope. Yeah, I'm like I don't know how close, but pretty pretty close. Yes. Like I think it takes place like. I think it spans six years from when Han is like in his late teens to when he's a young man. Oh, really? Yeah. Know. So did they cast? Did they cast another person who's younger? No, I'm guessing the late that... teens. Yeah, no, I... it's probably they're just going to use makeup. Okay, because I'm yeah. like, that's a grown man that they cast. He's a grown <laughs> man. Yeah. To be fair, Alden Ehrenreich, I've seen him in like Hail Caesar, and he has like a real baby face. So right. I'm sure he has like one of those faces where it's easy to make him look 18 and it's also easy to make him look 28. They can do that stuff now as well, though. I mean, yeah. we've all seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. And uh, New Pirates does it. I haven't yep. seen New Pirates, but it's in the trailer. So yep. New Pirates does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DH Johnny Depp. Although mm-hmm. you almost don't need that of Johnny Depp because he eerily always looks the same. He's a bit like Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And um, like, he just really doesn't age that much. Yeah. Um, so are you guys um, excited for the Han Solo movie, CT and Solo? Like, well, <laughs> the, like, so yeah. I must say, like, I am struggling to muster enthusiasm. Of course, I'm going to see it because it's a Star Wars movie. And I have faith because it's been written by Lawrence Kasdan and it's been directed by the, oh God, what the name of the directors again? Um, oh no, it's Lord screen. and Miller. Lord and Miller, thank you. Um, and it's been directed by Lord and Miller, and I loved the Lego movie, so mm-hmm. I have faith that they'll be able to make a really good, fun film. But yeah, just the subject matter, it just doesn't appeal that much to me, I guess. I agree with that. That's my thoughts exactly. I'm like, yeah. I, I'll see it, but I just, I'm not excited about it. I, I want to be, but. It just hasn't... I haven't got on that hype train yet. I just think, for me personally, I think that there are more interesting characters to explore. Or if the movie had been placed in a different time in Han's life, I would be more interested. Mm-hmm. We don't know enough about the movie yet for me to, like, criticize it yet. But I... For me personally, I'm just I'm just not very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I must say, like, Han is one of my favorite characters, but I'm kind of confused as to why this is one of the first stories they felt they had to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Like, you know, I'm sure it will be an entertaining film, but I'm just not... Like, what is there going to be that truly surprises us or makes us reassess the character in some way? Or You, you know what I mean? Like, why... Yeah. I'm is almost it... worried about what it will do to the character. I'm worried that they're going to humanize him in this movie and then it will take away from who he was in the original trilogy. And like his character journey in the original movie? Right, exactly. Because he's a jerk and he's supposed to be a jerk. And then the big, big deal is that he comes back for these characters after he was saying the whole time, like, well, better her than me. And I'm wondering if he will be humanized, but then they'll show something awful happening to him that makes him go that way. Do you know what I mean? That, that's kind of where I assume yeah. it's gonna go, but um, I also I think that's a takeaway. But I, yeah, I do feel like it might be a takeaway from 
a new hope. We'll see how they do it. Obviously, yeah. uh, we, uh, we don't we don't, we don't, don't know really anything know. yet. I just I do think that this is an interesting choice for their first like character mm-hmm. standalone. I don't I don't even like Boba Fett. I dislike <laughs> him entirely. But I think a bounty hunters movie would have been a more interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I do uh, wonder if it's partly to compensate for the fact that they killed him. I, actually, you know what? I agree with that 100%. Well, <laughs> They're like, I, sorry it's guys, we'll give you more Han. It's 100% all marketing. They're like, Han's uh, everyone's like favorite character, and now he's dead. Let's make some money off of it. But <laughs> uh, narratively-wise, I'm like, ah, there are much better stories to be told right now, I think. I am way more excited now that we know Land- Like, there's going to be Lando. Uh, yeah, mm. me too. Um, because beforehand I was a bit I'm like this, if Lando's not in it because that is a backstory that we knew happened that we know that something happened between Han and Lando and I do want to see that and I'm like that that I'm good with I would like a kind of buddy cop movie with them I think that would be funny mm-hmm. yeah uh, again it just I think a part of me is also kind of blind I don't want to say blinded by nostalgia but is going to just have a hard time seeing anyone else as Han and I, I know that's just my fault entirely my self but that could be i mean i agree that's another reason why i wish they had cast it it had taken place earlier in han's life so then it would be more realistic for me to see another person be like oh that person could have become harrison ford yeah if you if it was in his like mid-teens where they like kind of clearly had to cast Mm -hmm. a kid and it would have been probably the origin of how he meets lando and how he meets chewy and how him and lando have this falling out and stuff like that but Mm. i feel like if it's only maybe six years before on a new hope like all that stuff's probably going to be pretty well established i just hope that they don't give han a love interest that's what i just really i really hope that they just don't give han a love interest i am worried about daenerys's actresses because i have a feeling they're gonna like bring in probably Amelia Clark. And I'm like, I would be fine with her being Lando's love interest. That'd be fine. But I'm afraid they're going to make her Hans and then kill her for this, like, man pain. And then mm. to be to try to be like, oh, him learning to love Leia is a big deal. I'm like, ah, d- nah. Or have her screw him over in some way and make him, like, not trust women. Or something. Oh, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> they could so do that, though. I would they not could. I know. That's why I'm like, I can easily see them doing this but yeah. it's not personally what i want I, again we don't know we don't know enough i won't judge it too much i'm fine with her coming in and him flirting with her and her shooting him down because han is a flirtatious character totally fine with him like flirting and maybe being interested in her in like a like a very shallow way because that's who han solo is in my mind yeah it's just yeah i don't want anything to cheapen him and leia I, mean, I don't. I, I mean, just don't want anything to cheapen Han Han's character journey because I think Han, yeah. ha, Han has one of the best character journeys he in does. the. I don't like movies. him, but I agree. Um, I don't want anything. He's to a strong come character. In. I mean, we already know that he had love interest before Leia. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I guess the general audience doesn't necessarily, but. Like, I could see her being like a casual girlfriend. Like, I just hope that they don't do like a. I had this love of my life before Leia, and that, yeah, like, that's yeah. exactly what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. so, I could deal with like okay, we we smuggle together, we like um, uh, friends of benefits, that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that'd totally be fine. fine, and I think that'd be in character. But yeah, mm. like I think it does take something away from the whole romance between Han and Leia if you have had this other great romance previously. Then like, you somehow lost, and yeah, I yeah, that's what I don't want to happen. Don't want to happen to be avoided. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, right. Then the next story 
is that we have a very interesting story from making Star Wars, and it's all about Luke stuff. Um, I was wondering, Kirsty, would you mind reading this out because my throat's oh, sure. all tired? Thanks. And yeah. you're probably going to read it more competently than I would at this stage. <laughs> oh, we'll see. <laughs> um, today I want to discuss the tools Luke Skywalker has on him as he makes his way through The Last Jedi. One prop in particular has really caught my attention. The other props might say a lot about Luke's situation and how mobile he is on Actu. Based on this stuff, it seems like he's on the move during the movie and perhaps Ray is the reason for his travels or an unwanted distraction from his purpose on the island world. I've heard and seen strange things like Porgs, an amphibian nun with a white veil on top of her head, <laughs> and a sea monster. This journey requires tools, protection, and some directions. Can I just say I love the way Jason writes? Yeah. It's so cute. It is. <laughs> and it's like, what kind of protection is he going to need from the amphibious nun? I don't know. It's like, it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> the Marvel compass in a box. In Star Wars The Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker has a compass that guides his way. The compass is a box of a blue marble-like orb on the top. I believe Luke Skywalker moves his hand over the blue orb and the box opens up to reveal the compass inside the box. The interior of the box has metallic dials with Oribesh writing inside, denoting some space version of north, south, east and west with a needle to point the way. The prop is probably the most beautiful piece of craftsmanship I can think of as a star- for a Star Wars film. It has a very old look to it, but the inside is almost steampunk or like something mystical from Naboo. I looked at the compass and I had to ponder if it is just another tool in the bag or is it special? Does it take Luke Skywalker to where he needs to go in The Last Jedi? Or does he find it at the end and that journey is conducted over the next film after The Last Jedi? I saw Luke with it one time and I'm pretty sure he had the glove on that we see in the recent trailer from Star Wars Celebration. The same glove that touches the book in the trailer. I wasn't able to get many more details on the compass itself. Before I ever saw it, I heard... It was important. After I saw it, the work on the prop was so nice, I find it hard to believe it isn't crucial or special in some way. Either compasses in Star Wars are really awesome, or Luke Skywalker's is really important. (laughs) The rest of his stuff is really patchwork general survival materials. The question remains, is the compass mystical and Jedi in nature? Do you want to talk about this bit first, or... Yeah, that's probably wise, because it's probably a bit overwhelming otherwise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, the compass sounds really, really cool. And mm. I think you said this to me, Kirsty, but it reminds me a lot of um, his dark materials and yeah, like the altheometer. <laughs> yeah, the steampunk aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think like it'll be interesting because I'm I'm not sure how much we'll see it affect the plot personally, but I think it's definitely something he'll have out a lot. But who knows? Who seems to think that it's like more important? Um, but. The the the, the uh, blah words. Good job. Thank you. Uh, but it was probably just more of a prop that I feel. At least I feel like that they'll just focus more on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just has a bunch of other stuff that is just to fill the bag and mm-hmm. to make it more worldly. But again, it's just because I haven't heard anything else that would make this prop seem important. But again, we know so little. Yeah. And mm. we just know so much is going to happen. And. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it, like, leads to Force-sensitive things. Tinfoil hat, I was going to say. It's it a Dragon Ball the, radar. It points <laughs> to the Harbinger of Doom. There we go. Oh, I was thinking it's how he tracked down, like, Jedi artifacts and oh. stuff like that. I was like, it's Dragon Ball radar. He like He's like, ah, oh, where's the next one? Gotta go a few planets over. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I could there's, a, there's a temple. I got now. Now I have this this new book. Yeah. Here we go. So I mean, on I to the next Force-sensitive option. Like, I, mean, I, I don't, don't think, think it'll be a plot point. Yeah. 
but it'll do Oops. something. It'll lead to important things. I think that it would probably be something that we would see gain importance in like a comic or a novelization. I don't think in the movie it will bear any re- relevance. I think it would be sense. significant if it's significant for anything in that it would indicate that Luke and Ray is not like they're just training on the island. They're clearly going around exploring and perhaps looking for something. Because mm-hmm. a compass is obviously what you use to get directions to like go particular places and stuff. Um, and I think that subverts a lot of people's expectations about what Luke and Ray are going to be doing on the island. So mm. I think people imagine that it's just going to be like the Karate Kid in Ireland. And yeah. <laughs> that it's just going to be like this intensive training regime. And then it's like, right, okay, let's go off and join the resistance. But we know that it seems like it goes like Ray goes there. Luke's like, ah, who are you, weird girl? Um, and then like realizes what her connection to the force is, and is like, oh dear, and explains what her connection to the force is. And Ray's like, ah, and then he trains her a bit, and then Kylo turns up, and then whatever the hell happens if that happens, because it's also weird and mysterious that we don't really know. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. presumably after that, some of this other stuff happens where there's like adventuring and going around using the compass and stuff. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, what do you think, Kirsty? Because like, I'm just a bit confused right now as to everything that's going on in Act 2 and I need your voice of reason. <laughs> it is kind of confusing because um, Jason's also said that everything from the teaser, or at least most of it, he thought came from Act 1. So that means they're showing... Luke with the book and I, I feel like the compass would be connected to that somehow like they're out looking for artifacts mm. or like that he's already seen it but he just uses it to guide his way to show Ray again mm. Um, I don't know I feel like it's probably something left over from him and Ben exploring yeah and then he might need it to guide himself back to like you were saying back to his little vault of Jedi artifacts. Yeah. But I think it's something that he's probably used previously. And I've always subscribed to the fact that Luke and Ben must have been going around for a bit during his training looking for Jedi artifacts and trying to uncover more about the Jedi. Yeah. So yeah, I like, think that's, that's something that's left from the Yeah. Mm. So I think that's probably just something left over. Yeah. Personally. I think that like Ray experiencing that as well will help her understand like what Ben and Luke were doing before like she'll kind of yeah. get into Ben because she's kind of already in Ben Solo's like before he fell shoes right? yeah so she's got she's got the Falcon and the relationships with his family members and everything so then she's kind of taken on that role with Luke as well so it's kind of an interesting connection and I think that would be like actually a really interesting thing to point out because she'll be like about the age where uh, Ben turned mm-hmm. where that's another reason why Luke is so hesitant, hesitant. To- to even like touch her he's like ah no, i don't want anything to do with you yeah you're right at that age that magic star wars age where things happen <laughs> where things go wrong man and i'm always My hesitant dad. to assume that a prop is going to be a really big deal because i know like ray's speeder is the one that i think of like it's a it's a big deal in the marketing and mm-hmm. then you see yeah. it, you see it for like two seconds yeah exactly <laughs> like i am yes i i just have a hard time believing that a prop like this will be like a huge story yeah. turner. Um, Especially given how like props and Star Wars are made and how we know that people who work behind the scenes on Star Wars are just super fans. So it, this could just be someone who is like, you want me to make something? I'm going to make it awesome. And then it just never... Also toys. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It's true that you can't 
like place too much importance on these objects or use them to like predict the direction of the story. It's like um, and we know so much is happening on Octu mm-hmm. that like I just I want to make sure everything has the proper time that it needs. So a little part of me is like I I don't want it to be that important because I want them to deal with because Octu is this an other island. Stuff. What do you need a compass on an island for? Well, there's Luke. lots of islands. I think it's just the kind of thing that if Luke's using it, it quickly gets you up to speed of what he's kind of been doing for the past few yeah. years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's like symbolic in nature, I guess. Mm. Um, right. Do you want to read the next two sections, Kirsty, and then we'll discuss them? So I don't think they're substantial enough to discuss on their own. Sure. And then we'll talk about the final bit because that's like the oh my god thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Backpacking through Act 2. Also of note is Luke's orange backpack with a net on the back and his water bottle in it. The backpack has a net strapped to it and the net has kindling inside it for making a fire. I assume it is for making a fire, but it could be a porg's nest for all I know. (laughs) (laughs) The backpack wasn't like the one he has in Empire at all. In fact, it reminds me of the X-Wing inspired backpacks you can buy at the mall today. (laughs) That's hilarious. Things just picked it up. (laughs) Things to prod. Skywalker has a wooden walking stick and a cattle prod type weapon for zapping any creatures that get in his way. A person on set heard it called a lightning rod, but it doesn't look like an epic weapon. Oh, yeah, it doesn't. Sorry, I was like, does it? Um, it looks like something you would just casually zap a pest with. Luke's wooden walking stick clicks to his belt where his lightsaber would be. I did casually ponder if it could be a training saber like we saw in Star Wars Rebels, but it looked more like a walking stick. However, I never saw a lightsaber on his belt. Just these other utility tools for getting by on up to. In fact, I have yet to see Luke's lightsaber at all. I'm not saying he doesn't have one in the film. I'm just saying I haven't seen any empirical evidence of a lightsaber yet. Jason has been saying this over and over that he hasn't seen him with the saber. I think he's trying to prepare people. He knows that for so many fans, it's so important that Luke whips out the green saber and it's like, meow, meow, meow. Uh Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're just going to kind of almost retcon the green saber and just place all the importance on Anakin's saber. Not like they would retcon it out of existence, obviously, Mm -hmm. but kind of just hope fans forget Luke had another saber. But I have a question. When... Yoda is training Luke. Does Yoda ever bring out his lightsaber? No, Yoda doesn't use it in the original trilogy. No, so I'm thinking Luke isn't going to use it at all. Yeah. Because you don't light a lightsaber until you're intending to kill. And Yoda very much has a moment where, he, after he loses to Palpatine, where he's like, I'm never going to use a lightsaber right. again. Yeah, so, it's also like, you know, Luke's defining moment in Return of the Jedi is when he throws the saber away. Mm-hmm. And then it also kind of fits with why Kylo might have one that's really crudely made, because he didn't he wasn't encouraged to use them when he was with Luke and then just like, oh, I'm on the dark side now, I have to get myself a weapon. I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. So, I, I know he, he, like, looking at what they were originally planning to do with The Force Awakens, as we said earlier, um, Kylo was originally going to be in possession of Anakin's saber, mm-hmm. but it's like a relic. It's something that's from the past, not necessarily something that they currently use. Right. So, I, I don't know, I'm not sure that Luke uses his saber anymore. I, like a part of me, a little part of me will be sad about that, but I'm okay with it because I think, uh, I think I'm sad for sense. nostalgia mm-hmm. reasons. But I think it they definitely can make it make sense where, especially after all he's been through, where he's just kind of thrown the the war mm-hmm. part of him, like the fighting behind part of him, him behind him, and he yeah. seems to be more interested in like the scholarly as- aspects. And also, if 
like we were talking about how maybe Luke has become maybe too devout that he would take that those teachings very seriously. Like you don't light your lightsaber unless you're going to kill someone. You don't mm. use it for anything else. That's something that we've seen in Star Wars where Luke is like, I don't even carry it on me because on Octu there's nothing that I need a lightsaber for. I actually wonder, this just occurred to me, but I wonder if he's going to be kind of like the Bendu at the end of Rebels when he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not involved. And then Kanan's like, you have to pick a side. So like mm. Luke's, Luke's adopted this extreme pacifism Mm-hmm. And Ray has to try and get him back into the fight because it's like maybe that's. I yeah. think it'd be a really cool parallel, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think it's very likely that they lead you along for the whole film to like prepare something. Like, okay, he's not going to use it. He's not going to use it. And then, like in the climactic scene, something big happens, and Luke whips out the green saber. <laughs> it comes out of R two D two. And I know that sounds like shameless fan wish fulfillment. And then but... the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I could totally see them doing that. Because yeah. it's, I guess, for The Last Jedi, that would kind of be like the Darth Vader whooping ass scene at the end of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. You know, right. yeah. this is giving you what we know you really, really wanted. And I don't think that's what these films should be about at all. No. But at the same time, as long as the rest of the film is really strong and not just about slavish adherence to fan wish fulfillment, then I think mm-hmm. it's fine to throw people a lightsaber, so to speak. And it's yeah. also Luke going on a, on a journey of some kind, right? Yeah. That he's like, okay, I really don't want to use my saber. I know killing is wrong, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to stand up for what's right. Yeah. So. And I can't help but think that we know for a fact that Mark Hamill has been like in training and he's been training with a lightsaber and he can handle that prop like a pro again. Um, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that like he <laughs> couldn't do that 10 years ago, but I'm sure he was somewhat rusty at least. Yeah. And well, if he. Let's Sorry. be real. The original trilogy uh, fight scenes were a little lackluster so yeah yeah they, they, they've come a good of medium in tfa mm-hmm. between the the prequel Too ballet dances yeah mm. i mean he... i love the prequel fight scenes but... although yeah. i stand by that duel in return of the jedi between luke and vader that's honestly my favorite duel in the whole series like i just love it like al- although i'm kind of back and forth between that and the one between kylo and rain the force awakens i think they're both great i think that one wins my heart it just i and also uh the mustafar I, I'm Fight so partial scene. to Mustafar, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I like TFA a lot, but Mustafar will always get me because I've got the most attachment to those characters. Mm. It's the babes. Feelings. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, right, so I'm guessing we've said all we want to say about those ones? Well, the, the cattle prod thing is kind of funny. I mean, we yes. talked about that before, with this whole, like, mm. get off my lawn kind of... <laughs> bitterness that he might have at the beginning which is yeah. kind of funny. I think he's going to be the Yoda. He's going to be this eccentric weird old person. I hope he's not too much like Yoda. Cause uh, yeah, then, I don't think he's going to be want, that bad. Because I don't want people just thinking these are remakes of the originals. No, but he has been stuck on this island alone for presumably a long time. I think he's going to be a l- little loopy. Yeah, Not nearly as long as Yoda yeah. had been on. And also not nearly as loopy as Yoda but I think he's going to be a little eccentric. Yeah. I like that his backpack is, like, the one that you can get from, like, We Love Fine. Yep. Or a Target. Yeah. Kirsty, do you want to read out the last part? Yeah, so this is the big spoilery part. Even though he just, he says very clearly that it's just a rumor. Um, While the stuff above is empirical evidence, this is less so. There is a rumor that near the end of the film, Luke is going for Snoke and Rey is going for Kylo. 
I asked the person that believes this to be true if they have an encounter in the film and they didn't know for sure. It makes me wonder if we leave off the circumstances of the film with Luke going to embrace that he's a Jedi again and he's intent on bringing Snoke and the First Order down. If that's the case, I wonder what makes him change from being the reluctant master to the Jedi he was supposed to be. The possibilities are fascinating. This part could be entirely wrong, though, but I find the potential very cool. This is the biggie. <laughs> yeah. Um, just before we actually like discuss this, I'd also just like to introduce into the conversation a very like interesting rumor, shall we say, from Reddit. And this actually turned up on Reddit like I think a day before the Making Stars report, so it was just before like the piece we've just read out. And obviously, it's Reddit. So take it with a pinch of salt and all that. But I just think it's interesting and worth introducing it into the conversation because it does actually tie in quite well. Um, and yeah, like there's lots of stuff about his like busy mate Mike and like stuff and where the information came from. But I won't bore people with that. So um, this is the core of it. Basically, he says that Ray goes off with Snoke at the end when they're all on a destroyer and betrays Kylo Ren when he won't kill Rey. Guessing that means Snoke betrays Kylo Ren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The destroyer is amidst the space battle and is heavily damaged, descending towards a planet with Kylo, Finn, and Poe aboard. I asked if Luke died, and he laughed. He also said Kylo kills Phasma. He doesn't allude to when. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, like... Again, tinfoil hatting and stuff because you can't trust the Reddit stuff. And even Jason is saying what he's heard that this part of it is very tenuous and not to take mm. a pinch of salt again. So this is all like very vague and tenuous, but I do think it comes together to form like a more complete picture, which is mm-hmm. quite interesting. Um, yeah, so the impression one gets is obviously the climate, climax of the film happening on this big ass Star Destroyer. And Luke and Ray are both going there to take on Snoke and Kylo. But for me, the big question is, like, what exactly does going for, to use Jason's expression, mean? Like, that phrasing is just tormenting me. Like, does that mean going to kill? Going to, like, try and bring him back? Going to talk to him? There's just so many different possibilities. And thinking about it too much is the kind of thing that drives you mad. But yeah. I'm guessing Jason (laughs) has no idea. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I I wouldn't say that the Reddit thing like compliments it. It just doesn't contradict it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like it could just be the same thing, but everyone's hearing different pieces. Mm-hmm. Like the Reddit the Reddit one says that Ray ends up with Snoke, whereas Jason's saying that Snoke is with Luke and Ray is with Kylo. Yeah, that's the big thing that I was going to point out too. Oh, well, it's like, like uh, well, they're just talking about the end of the movie though. Like, I obviously they all four can be together before. I mean, I like the Reddit theory because that's. My, my well, my ideal ending is like everybody's happy and together. But uh, my, my like more realistic ideal is that uh, Kylo's given this opportunity or something, or he just failed Snoke for the last time, right. and Snoke abandoned. Basically, him. what Han said comes comes to fruition, and Snoke kicks Kylo to the curb and takes Rey instead, mm-hmm. and manages to take Rey, and that's how the movie ends essentially mm-hmm. um there's parts of me who just like with things that we've heard that believes ray ends up ends the movie back on the resistance but i don't i don't know that with any like certainty but i just like that because i want episode nine i think it'd be hilarious if it was 
Like <laughs> Kylo's in like resistance jail and Poe and Finn and Rose break him out and they're like, look, we know you can find Rey. Mm-hmm. Let's go on this like You can adventure. literally track her. Let's go get her back. Yeah. I suppose if yeah. you've heard if you've heard that Rey ends up with the resistance, mm-hmm. that could apply to this as well, right? That it's like the climax where they're all, the two different storylines are converging. So they're back up with Finn, Rose and Poe. But then something huge happens to make them go their separate ways again. But it's like yeah. a di- it's different groups than what have been throughout the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, mean, I love the idea of Kylo and Rey switching places. Mm. I, do, I do too, and I think that would that would make things a lot different mm-hmm. than the formula of the original movies. Yeah, I agree. A part of me doesn't expect it because I feel just just the way like story tropes go. I'm like, oh, the redemption doesn't happen until the very end. Mm-hmm. But I think it would actually be really interesting if we got to see a basically a whole movie with him redeemed like not if not necessarily redeemed but at least working on it yeah yeah if yeah. three was all of that journey mm-hmm. i mean depend- and i love like anti or not like anti-villain tactics but i love uh just these like weird former villain antics that could happen mm-hmm. that like everyone's just super uncomfortable but they need him around mm-hmm. and, like it would just be, it'd be really funny. I mean, That's the thing, depending on how they execute it, it doesn't mean that Kylo's magically a good guy by the end of episode eight. It's just no. that his his loyalties to Snoke have um, worn thin and this the same vice versa. And maybe the Resistance still aren't sure if they can trust him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I got the impression from what Jason was saying here that Snoke and Kylo are in the right, are both in the same place. They're both on the, on the Star Destroyer or whatever. And Luke and Ray go together, but then they have to like split up because like Snoke and Kylo are perhaps in different places or something. That was the impression to, I got. They have to Yoda and Obi Wan it, where Yoda's like, "I'll go so after Palpatine, you get Anakin." Yeah, It'd yeah. Be really exciting if because we know that Finn and Rose are going to go on a mission to that Star Destroyer as well, mm-hmm. and they encounter Phasma. So if everything is just happening at the same time, it's going to be really nail biting. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah this actually, yeah, because you're right. If everyone's going to be there. At the end of it, and that'd be a really cool climax to the film. Yeah, yeah, It'd be complete chaos, but really interesting. Mm-hmm. It would definitely make for fun directional choices. Yeah, like okay, we got to cut to this, and then we got to cut to this, and then ah, ugh, ah, yeah. How do we make it show that all of this is happening at the same time? Um, I think it's also worth saying that my fave Boffin Spy, who's another Reddit poster, and he's posted some spoilery stuff before that. Like, there's support for it. Like, I wouldn't say he's confirmed or anything, but he seems mm-hmm. more legitimate than other Reddit posters, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And in the past, he said that Finn chops off Phasma's arm, but he's also heavily, heavily implied that that's not the worst thing that happens to Phasma. And he's basically mm-hmm. said that she dies in the film. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, that is interesting to me because I'm kind of a bit in two minds about the idea of Finn obviously getting like a real like getting really in there by chopping off her arm and stuff so he clearly takes his vengeance as you could say mm-hmm. but it's a bit odd to me to allow Finn to do that but then have Kylo be the one who kills Phasma like if that's yeah. true like running with that idea because it's I think kind it's of like, gotta be one or the other yeah so I was thinking like it doesn't seem fair on Finn to me because that cat poor character has already got so much flack for like not being bad badass enough and not having mm-hmm. like enough of his own story and I think that kind of choice to not even let him be the one who takes out his own villain, who's presumably going to be Phasma in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of leaves me a bit uneasy. I don't like it. <laughs> so yeah. I hope that's right. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I just I have a feeling that, like, 
though it could be true if they're afraid to have Finn kill someone, like even though he's he's killed, he's if, killed a lot of people. He's killed. The, he we actually killed the most people in the Force Awakens. Yeah, you see him kill the most amount of people. Yep. But uh, I guess like killing a major character, maybe they don't. I don't. Maybe they're afraid of doing for some reason. But I, I agree with you. Not even a major character. She's, I mean, at least she's, she's more major she's than the random villain. stormtrooper. Yeah, I agree. She's a named character, but it's not like she's. He's not killing a, a a hero. He's if he was killing someone, it would be a villain. Yeah, a villain from his past. Yeah, yeah. But I don't I don't know what the problem would be there. And that's like a heroic act to take out yeah. Like, Phasma. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I definitely don't want Kylo to kill Phasma. I would yeah. rather one of our. I I'd rather it. like I'd rather Finn be yeah. able to have that moment. But the unless it makes sense in the movie for Kylo to be killing Phasma. Maybe to maybe to save Finn and and, and then as they're escaping. I don't know. Yeah. Because like, but... there is like a there could be like an interesting connotation behind Kylo killing Phasma. Yeah. If but either way it could be him being pissed at her because she didn't do something well enough or that he's kind of already his loyalties aren't necessarily with the first order and she's yeah. gonna do something that is gonna do something bad for everyone, and he's, I don't know. Yeah, I just have to agree with what was already stated, where I, I just get worried, because Finn didn't get to have a lot of growth in the first movie, where I want him to have as much growth in this movie as he's allowed to. I want his story to be very loud, and I want Finn to, like, be a force in this movie, Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was I want more Finn. Yeah. I want I was- to understand him as a character. Yeah, because obviously you ha- we know the pre-existing relationship between Phasma and Finn because mm. that is one of the very few things that they actually do with Phasma's character in The Force Awakens. They right. actually give you some insight into her dynamic with Finn. You see them interact several times. Mm. Um, but there's virtually no prior existing relationship between Kylo and Phasma. So right. if they were to have him kill her, the only like story reason I could see for that, like the only justification would be that they really want to like signpost to you that Kylo has betrayed the First Order and yeah. he's turned his back on it completely. like Because then that is a good way of conveying that. But I'd almost think, why not just have him kill Hux instead? Because there's so much more of a relationship <laughs> between Kylo and Hux. I think I think he's going to do that in the beginning of the movie. I, I, I will just have my fingers crossed that Hux dies in the beginning of the movie. I've, obviously, I am not Hux's biggest fan. <laughs> but... No. I, I want Hux to die in the very beginning of the movie, and I want Kylo to kill him. Rachel has a soft spot for Hux. So. <laughs> not, not like a huge. Um, like to be honest, I'm mainly thinking. Say, I have a friend who loves Hux. We actually had her on for like a Hux spotlight, and like, uh-huh. uh, like, and there, there was a lot to say. We were able to have quite an involved, interesting conversation about him for like, oh god, one and a half hours. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about anything. Yes, yeah, yeah. we can talk about anything, but. I do think there's slight, I, I like for example, I find Hux way more interesting than Phasma. Infinitely oh yeah, more I interesting do too. Than Phasma. Yeah. Um, Phasma has a lot of potential, but that's because Phasma well, didn't get anything yet. But as far as we've gotten for storylines, Hux is a lot more interesting. Yeah, he's he's been a character in books. We know how he grew up. Yeah, but uh, like don't know wrong, the... I'm not trying to like evangelize you huh? or like turn you <laughs> yeah. to like big uber Hux fans or anything. You <laughs> you time. never could, <laughs> never could, man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, these rumors are all so intriguing. It's really exciting to 
actually start getting like potential hints of where yeah. everyone might end up because it still feels like we know so little about this movie which is really exciting because in a way it's going to be really nice to go in and not know how things are going to pan out mm-hmm. um but yeah the spoiler fiend in me is just like more more <laughs> give me more yeah and i think even in the run-up to the movie i don't think we're going to get solid details on how the ending is actually going to work because even with the force awakens we've got a huge amount of spoilers but it's very hard to figure out the actual details and the character motivations mm. it's like these people are in this space and then this, this one thing happens but you're not really sure how mm-hmm. so and also so many spoilers come out that like you're gonna weed through a bunch of crap that you're gonna <laughs> yeah. be like well they said that this was gonna happen and like 99% of them will be wrong a few of them will be right but even still going up to the force awakens where people had solid details like about han's death I st- there were still so many fake spoilers out there. Yeah, and I think like one of the one of the big spoilers I got that ended up not being true at all was that uh, uh, Kylo and Rey knew each other as kids. Mm-hmm. Like someone had told me they were childhood friends, and I was like, "Ooh, that's going to be cool!" And then I'm like, "That's not true at all. Where did yep. you get that from?" Yeah. Um, was that from someone who like was involved with the production or something? Yeah, it, claimed it was. So. Yeah, uh, basically, I, we heard some things from uh, it, like at a dinner from a guy who just seemed too. So that's like when we we say we have sources. Yeah, I have one that's really legitimate, but he hasn't told me anything. Uh, and yeah. the other who is like, we. Just, I'm a big deal. Yeah, who <laughs> I feel like it's more bragging than really knows anything. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay, interesting. And then it was not true. And you're like, oh, so you're not a big deal. Yeah, yeah you do have to take everything. Like, I, I was having dinner with someone last summer in London, and they'd been working on. Well, they, they knew someone who was working on the Last Jedi, oh. and they were like, and they were like, oh, you'll never guess. Ray has a sister. And I was like, okay, I know exactly who you're talking about, and she's Asian, and <laughs> she's going to be on Finn's side of the story, and she's nothing to do with Ray. Oh, yeah. But oh thanks God. for the inside info. <laughs> You'll never guess. Yeah. There's so much confusion. Yeah, so it's, it's, there's so much human error involved, you know? Yes. Like, if people already have an, an idea of how the story's going to go, and then something seems to line up with it, that's what they're going to jump on. Yes. Because like the when it came to hearing that like Kylo and Ray were friends as kids, it was someone who had just seen like the f- pieces of the Force vision, mm-hmm. and so I can see why can see they thought they, that, they but... maybe knew each other when they were younger, mm-hmm. but then just added way more confidence in what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. They're like, this is absolutely like, what there's happened. a vision that happens that confirms that Ray and Kylo knew each other when they were kids, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, well, there was a vision, but. Uh, the other and, part's not and, true. And young Ray was in it, and there was like a flash, and there was like a, a little boy, but uh, it didn't. It didn't confirm anything. Yeah, yeah. No, it's easy to understand how people like get to these conclusions, and a lot of it is like Chinese whispers and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. as yeah. often the information is like second, third, or fourth hand or something, and it can change a lot through that process. It's telephone. Yeah, exactly. Telephone. You know your friend who you said. Um, like you're pretty confident is legit. Are you mm-hmm. like able to say things and watch their like body language <laughs> and expression, <laughs> or like do you try not to push it too much? I would. I try not so to push much. it. I would so struggle. much because uh, it's one of those things that uh, I definitely 
like when we talk, he'll just say certain things that I'm like, oh, if you feel that way, that means this happens or this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And obvi- like we're like, luckily, like we're on the same page about like Kylo mm-hmm. and stuff. And he I think he knows what I want. And he's he's like, just you wait, wink. Like he hasn't been that coy <laughs> with me, but at least I know he's on like the same page as me about Kylo and Leia and some of the other characters that I'm like, especially Leia, especially Leia. Yeah. Where, um, I, I just hope he's just not contradicting what he knows. Uh-huh. Cause I feel like he wouldn't be saying these things to me if he knew they would Work, never what, happen. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, I do know that he, he knows like it'd be a bit cruel, wouldn't it, to like say, "Wait and see." Yeah, <laughs> if it was yeah. like you're gonna be completely wrong, lol. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be really mean of him to be like, "Oh yeah, no." In the next movie, Kylo's absolutely gonna have red hair, and then he doesn't the whole time. You're like, "I was lying." <laughs> I was lying. Yeah, he hasn't like he hasn't been. Uh, no, he hasn't given you any spoilers. No, um, yeah. at least not for TFA. But uh, the. Yep. Just, like, sometimes when we'll talk about just our general love for Star Wars, he has certain opinions that I'm like, if that lines up with the script, mm-hmm. great. Great. Yeah. Like, which is good, which is good, because, um, like, I feel really bad for these people, because everyone who knows they work on these films, they must all be, like, desperate for information and, like, constantly dropping little hints and be like, oh, can you tell me anything? Yeah. And it must be such a hard thing for them, because they must be so excited and there must be so much they want to say, but they obviously just can't. I feel like some part of them has to love it, though. Yeah, they're like, "Yeah, you want to know? I know. I'm not telling you." <laughs> Adam Driver had a quote about it about yeah. how he like loved because they asked him, "Is it hard keeping a secret?" And he's like, "No, because you just kind of have this power over everyone because you know." <laughs> yeah, but I found it like really interesting that after Star Wars Celebration, it seemed like uh, John Boyega actually legitimately didn't know about the plot point that Luke wanted the Jedi to end. <laughs> like yeah. he seemed. He's like, I didn't know about, like, did you legitimately not know about that plot point? I like, mean, it makes sense. Are you sense. really only given what you're involved in? It makes sense. I mean, if he's on a totally different side of the story, he I could easily just not be given anything about that. Yeah. They're like, here's your half of the script. The resistance half. The Jedi half is over here. Yeah. You're not going to read it. You're yeah. not involved in it. Yeah, because yeah, it's not like he needs to know that for to understand his character or plot, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. your character doesn't know, so you don't know. I'm like, wasn't it true, like in the original trilogy, that like Harrison Ford didn't know that Darth Vader was Luke's father until he saw the movie, and he like leaned yep. over it to Mark Hamill and was like, "You didn't tell me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- th- that's why I lo- like I love like these like spoilers like this where we can just like maybe piece it together. But mm-hmm. I hope we don't get. I don't want any big spoilers. Like the going big, in. yeah, like, movie. You don't want. I, I know that you kind of liked knowing that Han went, was dead. You, you, I was un- I unwillingly got that spoiler. Yeah, you unwillingly got the spoiler. In the long game, I'm glad I got it. But I will be upset if I get anything big spoiled for me. Because I I, I like speculating. I love this. Yeah. And I, and I like to go into a movie and be like, ah, we were right. But I don't want to know before the movie. I want it to be presented to me in the movie, in the context of the movie. Yeah. In the but- proper order. Yeah, no, I think like stuff like this, where it's so vague and so open to interpretation, I just find mm-hmm. it's really, really fun, and I really enjoy talking about it and wondering what it could mean. But I think it's like a different ball game if, like, a work print leaks or the script exactly. leaks or something. Then to me, that's not fun anymore. That's mm-hmm. just yep. like 
oh god, I just have this awful sinking feeling. I do not want to experience the story like this, you know, because mm. it really does take away from it, I think. Because even the making Star Wars spoilers for The Force Awakens, while we did pretty much know everything that happened, like it still for me didn't really compare to actually seeing the film because Mm -hmm. it was all vague and there were misinterpretations. You don't really get a sense of the characterization or any of that from those spoilers. Like To me, that's still a bit too much compared to what I'd want to know about The Last Jedi. But at the moment, I'm feeling quite optimistic that we're getting the right level of spoilers because I don't think Mm -hmm. making stars are going to get for The Last Jedi what they got for The Force Awakens. Mm-mm. Because I think for The Force Awakens, they got all the cool sheets and that's not going to happen again. Yeah, and like this is the stuff that I like. Yeah. So it's yeah. enough to keep the buzz going. It's enough so that you can speculate and, and that people can continue to put out weekly stuff and like have <laughs> things to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's oh. enough to keep the buzz going, but not enough that it's going to ruin a movie or potentially keep people from going to the movie because they think they have the whole picture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The recording ends here because there were some unfortunate technical issues that meant the recording clipped before we had actually finished speaking. So yeah, it just remains to be said a big thank you to the Knights of Rant for joining us for this episode. We really enjoyed having them on. You can check them out on YouTube and on SoundCloud with their podcast, Who Talks First. As always, you can find me on Star Wars Nonsense and on Tumblr and on Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. And you can find Kirsty at Bastila Bay on Tumblr or at Scavengers Horde on Twitter. We are going to be skipping Scavengers Horde next week because I'm unfortunately busy, so apologies for that. Um, but we will be back the following week, so don't fret too much. And yeah, I guess the only other thing to be said is that Twin Peaks came back last night and I have seen the first three episodes and I'm just go- about to go and watch the fourth and it's freaking awesome. I think it's only going to be enjoyed by an audience of about 54 people. But if you're one of those 54 people, it's going to be a magical, magical experience. And yeah, it's just magnificent and I love it so much. Good night, everyone. <laughs>